Hello everybody, welcome back. Pit Shack Podcast, episode 26. Got Eric Turner going to be on today. A lot to be said about Eric Turner. Um, extremely relevant in our area. Has a lot, a lot, a lot of history. From Dirtworks Race Cars to Allen Autosports to GRT to anything in between late model wise. Did some body car racing in between all that. A uh, little bit of everything to go over. Eric's jazzed about this one. He reached out, said he's got a lot to talk about, and that he's an open book. And there's a little bit of controversy to be discussed from the past over a couple things that he's he's willing and open to talk about. So it's going to be good. Um, today's episode is sponsored by Sharp's Fabrication Station. Uh, Riley Sharp and I race go-karts together. A couple of years back, I've, been, I've known Riley for quite a while. Um, he's got a plasma cutter that he can do tabs for your go-karts, race cars, body mounts for your go-kart, race car. Not excluding anything else, but uh, make team signs, make fire pits, set up to a half of an inch thick. And with his go-kart program, I know that he's not going to send anything out the door that He's not going to want to hang up himself or use himself. So whatever you're going to get is going to be top quality. And then signature floor coverings, Davin Lawson. He's been around racing for a really long time. He's a lot of help to a lot of different people around here. Uh, whether it be go-kart world or big ra- big car racing, he's been a help. He's been around it for a long time. Ran around with Rex McCroskey as a kid, so he's seen the thrift and the work it takes to get going. So he did the floors, wood floors in our house does it for a lot of businesses and residentials around here and uh, does a good job so if you get a get a chance to look them up on Facebook signature floor coverings and then Sharps fabrication station look them up on Facebook as well and on topic of Riley Sharp his dad Rick Sharp is in the racers reunion committee and we're gonna have him on beginning of next show and talk about a little bit about the ra- upcoming racers reunion um, We've got a, we've got kind of a knoll on younger faces. We need some younger, we need some of the younger crowd to get involved in this and not let this pass on. Seems cliche to get into it early on, I know, but every time we go out there, it's kind of the same complaint. There's nobody here, or it's the same old pictures, and it's because we're not contributing to this. There's a big void missing of pictures and stuff that have been added out there. We need to be able to get a hold of some people in the committee and insert, be involved. And it's not hard to do. It's once a year. It's not hard to get involved in doing that. So just do more than getting your car in there. I mean, this is, it's got to go, it's going to go somewhere one of these days. We don't want it to, but if it goes on the track that it's going, we all kind of fear the same thing. So Rick's going to, Rick's going to get on here and talk about that a little bit at the front side of the next episode because, uh, yeah, we need to take care of that. Well, and I, I feel like it, in the last, I mean, I've been racing for 12, 13 years now. I think it's been. I started in 20, or 2009, 2010 era, 2010 era running a type of modified at some point. But there really hasn't been any new faces. I mean, you, I think you could justify that too taking pictures when you started there hasn't been a whole lot of new faces that have showed up and and stayed um there's i mean we talk about guys like turner for instance and my dad and scotty allen and rex Merritt. i mean they've all been 
frankly, I tell my dad he's been racing since Moses was a baby. We, you don't have that kind of longevity anymore. You get guys in here that, that stay for five or six years, and then they kind of go by the wayside in this area. And I, I feel like to promote racing in this area, because racing in this area is probably one of the best in the country, in my opinion, we need to, to bring the younger crowd in. I know racing is expensive now, and it's harder to get into, but bring the younger crowd in and expose them to this and show them what it's been and where it's headed and it's only going to help everybody in the long run keeping keeping the racetracks alive in this area keeping the car builders and the park providers alive and functioning because without without those people and the new people coming in racing in this area is is not going to thrive like it has in years past digital media hurt Racer, the time. Racers Reunion, because we have all this stuff we can just scroll up on all the time. And the only way to have that stuff back in the day was print media. And I think, I know I put some pictures out there, um, 2010-ish area. I got a small little bit of section of pictures, but I don't really know that there's been a whole lot of stuff added before or after that. And, I mean, <clears throat> there's a lot that's happened before and after I posted those pictures and it doesn't need to be all new all new pictures for sure but we need people to be involved in in the whole the whole thing out there I mean we need to have people there in attendance telling stories showing support for the people uh, that current owners and operators but all the the studs that paved the way for us to have what we have today we don't need this to go away so Rick's gonna touch on that I know we're probably skimping over some stuff on that he he takes a lot of pride and importance in that so he's going to be able to convey his message and better than we are for sure but I want you guys to pay attention to that at the front of it because um, it's going to be it's going to be a topic here soon it, it is every year that it kind of look kind of look around and see what's going on while you're there it's it needs to be talked about now but current events arrowhead speedway west siloam they're firing back up this year so Willie Gamble I, got a hold of the place. And yeah, you've raced there before, right? Yep. I've I think I've been there probably five times. I won a feature past Muhlenberg, uh, which past Muhlenberg down there is saying something. Um my dad used me up there for the first time. Uh, I'm still I'm I'll live and die on that hill. He said I was in the way and he was he had the spot, but I'll die on the hill that my old man used me up for the first time there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a third mile is what it says, so put that in layman's terms for 602 crate motor because that's probably what you ran when you were down there, right? It really doesn't race like a, a, a third mile. Um, I don't – it's a short – like Springfield race is bigger than a quarter. Mm-hmm. It really does with the momentum and stuff you carry there. It Siloam's tighter. I know, I know they've worked on the racetrack a little bit, so I don't know – entirely how it's going to race but it's tighter a little bit longer straightaways but tight corners um it produces some real good racing um you can you can be on the bottom you can get up and you can roll the middle to the top um all that when it's muddy it's fast but when it gets slick it's very technical it's it's a place that you have to drive you have to work your butt off all the time and it's a lot of fun i don't think i was I don't think I was racing at all last time they were open. I was taking pictures for sure, but I never went down there because it was kind of the end yeah. whenever I was starting to notice what was going on. 
but I know a lot of people have raced there in the past. It used to be a pretty hopping place, so that's gonna be well, cool used, to see that used go on. To, they so back in the nineties, my dad explained it to me when the first time we went down there. It was a lot smaller, and they extended it way out. I think turns three and four. They extended it out by 150 foot or so. I think it used to be like a smaller quarter, and they extended the racetrack way out. Um, and it it made the racing better. Used to you hugged you hugged the light poles, and now they you got it pushed out. Um, but with the facility improvements and stuff that I've seen, I mean, but really the only time when you're driving to the racetrack that you're going to be on dirt there is when you're on a racetrack. From the pictures I've seen with all the improvements on the roads and stuff that they put on and um, Bryce Hall is going to be the promoter, from what I understand. Bryce has been a lot, been around a lot of racing. He traveled with Todd for a couple, three years, and I think if Bryce is at the helm of that, it's going to be going to be a tightly run show, and he's going to know what he wants to see right off the bat. So from Springfield, it's roughly a hundred ish miles down there. Yeah, there's no good way to get there. It's going to take you two and a half hours, two hours and forty five minutes. That's kind of what I'm looking at, but it's all. I mean, it's not terrible. That's a Friday night option for many people in the Joplin area that are kind of filling the void. Like, uh, I know Monette's going to switch back again. They're going back to Saturdays again. That's what I was reading. So the Friday night guys are that's something to look at. Siloam's going to be wide open for the for the taking. So I I know for sure that uh, at least it it won't be every week just because of the drive, but at least once a month, maybe once every other month. Just when my schedule and money allows that I will for sure be down there. Just I love that place. It's yeah. it's a lot of fun. It races really well. And I'm excited to see a racetrack open back up that's been closed down for so long. So today Power Eye said that they were gonna sanction or open up sanctioning for front wheel drives and B mods and I don't know how that's gonna go just yet because that's gonna. I think Power Eye is in the position that they're gonna try to make changes that people ask of with USRA that haven't happened yet, and them saying that they're gonna be sanctioning B mods and Hornets. It's gonna be interesting to see how that shakes out. Bolivar said today that they're gonna go with it. Um, I, I, I just don't, don't know about. I don't. Whoever takes it and stuff. I don't know, but free track sanctioning. It says points fun. No fees for non-members or anything like that. Um, I don't really know how that's going to work. I'm going to see it, if they're going to, whenever the rules come out, if they're going to offer something for rockers, for the B-mods, it's going to be a big talking point. And then the, the, someone's midway's pushing the LS thing, but Power Eye shook their head at that. They didn't want that. So I don't think that they'll do... LS stuff with the B mods, but uh, Rockers is going to be a talking point. But and who goes with them? So it's going to be a big divide if we get more than two or three tracks going with full Power Eye sanction versus USRA sanction. That's going to create a bit of a divide, I think. And if Power Eye pushes a lot of these, a lot of changes, kind of like you had mentioned, like they push the Rocker changes or they push, they push some other envelope that everybody's kind of wanting to see that really limits the clientele. They're they're not going to get somebody from the USRA side come in and run a one-off show. I think it's going to hinder it to where you're going to have a set number of cars that run either one, and you're not going to have 
the freedom that you've had the last six or seven years, especially in the BMOD area around here, to where you can go anywhere within a five-hour radius and you can run your BMOD on any given night that there's a race. Well, looking at their post, it says that their rule package will be similar but not identical to current local sanctioned bodies that can be found. So, I don't know what that means exactly. probably should have checked it out a little more before I got into this, but I was just seeing this not that long ago. So, I don't know that Midway will get that part, especially with Chris racing their weekly, to be totally honest. If he's USRA racing, I, can't, I don't know about them going. But, I can see Lake Ozark checking it out. So, Lake Ozark, Midway's already got power out of everything else. And, Bolivar's looking into it. No oh. power ever by Midwest mods at Midway, though, right? Because that was the LS side that oh, they true. were pushing. Yeah, yeah no, none of that. So, uh, I don't know. For sure, you won't see Springfield doing it. Unless Fmod. Well, I, maybe. Jerry's a, Jerry, not, a, not hip to USRA. So, uh. USRA, who knows? That Springfield could be a thing, now that I say that. Because he's not super hip on on usra so i did i from taking the racing standpoint aside the rules packages and whatnot with the cars taking all of that aside usra has one of the best foundations in my opinion i haven't i haven't dealt with a lot of the imca side i know i've ran imca for a couple three years but the usra side in 2016, I got hurt at Monet. I got a pretty severe concussion. and had to go to the hospital. USRA has very good measures in place for stuff like that that happens. They have the insurance. The track has insurance, obviously. And USRA has insurance. And, I mean, from the from the word go, when I told my dad, like, hey, look, this is what happened. Like, I've got to go to the hospital to get checked out. Dad called Todd Staley. And a lot of people cussed Todd for... Reasons unknown, but from the minute we said, hey, this is what happened, Todd and USRA did everything that they could possibly do to try to help me in that situation, and that's something that I won't ever forget. The USRA stepped up majorly to help with that side of it, and that's I that's something I would I don't know what power I will do in that uh, it situation. It says here secondary insurance, so I'm sure it's going to probably fall in line. With something similar to USRA, because the track picks it up first, and then it's mm -hmm. sanctioned, and then personal right. from there, right? That's the pecking order on that. Yeah, yeah, that's when that deal happened to me. It was so Monet, Monet's insurance kicked in, and then up the USRA amount. insurance. Yeah. Yep. And then USRA covers from there yep. up to X amount, and if there's remainder, then it goes to you. Correct. But I'm sure Power Eye is probably going to be doing something similar to that, but. I would say, but I just you don't ever really want to look into. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not at all. But it's it's something to keep in mind. Like I'm not saying that Power Eye has anything wrong with what they're doing. I don't want it to sound like that at all. But there's a lot of guys that I think want to talk bad about USRA and say, "Oh yeah, let's just go Power Eye." But USRA's been around for a long time for a good reason, because and they take care of the racers and. Power Eye is probably going to do the same thing. They're they're recently new in this area, and I looking at what they've done for the point structure of the pure stocks and the Midwest mods in the last couple of years. 
they've given those guys the opportunity to race for a lot of money but not break their back doing only the 20 point or 20 shows per year for their point structure so it it it, it enables the guy to race one night a week and then maybe at the end hit a couple two-day shows here and there to try to get a national points title which is way more budget friendly than trying to have 40 or 50 shows at the end of the year and trying to compete with guys all across the nation like that. Well, Eldora Million this year. Sprint car guys are fired up now. Uh, late models raced for a million last year. This year, sprint cars raced for a million at Eldora. It's not really big news to us, but it's big news to the sprint car community because they've been racing for not a lot of money versus yeah. late model guys for a couple of years now, and that's been getting a little more, a little more obvious, <laughs> a little more salt poured in the wound every time. There's a huge late model race every other day. So that's non-sanctioned. Uh, I'd say there's probably going to be quite a few of those sprint car guys that run World of Outlaws. It's going to include that in one of their eight freebie races that they can run outside the sanction. Because World of Outlaws said you can go run other tracks, but you can only run up to eight without getting... There's like a bonus incentive thing that if you, you can run up to eight, unsanctioned races and still be eligible for your commitment bonus basically and if you get run outside of that then you're just racing for points money but so i'd say there'll be a lot of those guys that don't venture off and race a whole lot of extra if not all of them that are going to save that one to go run for a million so that's uh going to be a pretty good deal so the winner gets just a tick over a million 1.4 million dollar purse that's what they're saying um other than that, I don't really know the biggest sprint car purse. 50? No, 150, right? For Knoxville? Or is that Kings Royal? One of the two. But There at Eldora, yeah. yeah. Knoxville, I think, when we went last year, I think it. I, I think I remember them saying somewhere around 350 between paying all the, the non-qualifiers and stuff. I mean the winner thing. only. Oh, yeah, so, Knoxville for sure, like 150. Yeah. So, that late model guy's... I get an opportunity to race for good coin every week. So, yeah, that's cool. I don't, sprint car stuff's neat, but I'm out of touch with it. So, I don't know. I I think it'll be cool to watch because I think you're going to see some guys that you wouldn't normally see go to Eldora. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably have somebody that steps up and be like, holy shit, who's this? And here they are. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to get Eric on the hotline here. He's been patiently waiting for us this evening so is there anything else you want to get get on before we pick up well, I, say, I say let's bring him in right. hello everybody welcome back pit shack podcast episode 26 got eric turner gonna be on today a lot to be said about eric turner um, extremely relevant in our area has a lot a lot a lot of history from Dirtworks Race Cars to Allen Autosports to GRT to anything in between late model wise. Did some body car racing in between all that. A uh, little bit of everything to go over. Eric's jazzed about this one. He reached out said he's got a lot to talk about and that he's an open book. And there's a little bit of controversy to be discussed from the past over a couple things that he's he's willing and open to talk about. So going to be good um today's episode is sponsored by sharps fabrication station uh riley sharp and i race go-karts together 
a couple of years back. I've, been, I've known Riley for quite a while. Um, he's got a plasma cutter that he can do tabs for your go-karts, race cars, body mounts for your go-kart, race car, not excluding anything else, but uh, make team signs, make fire pits, set up to a half of an inch thick, and with his go-kart program, I know that he's not going to send anything out the door that he's not going to want to hang up himself or use himself, so whatever you're going to get is going to be top quality. And then signature floor coverings, Davin Lawson, he's been around racing for a really long time. He's a lot of help to a lot of different people around here. Uh, whether it be go-kart world or big ra big car racing, he's been a help. He's been around it for a long time. Ran around with Rex McCroskey as a kid, so he's seen the thrift and the work it takes to get going. So he did the floors, wood floors in our house. Does it for a lot of businesses and residentials around here. And uh, does a good job. So if you get a, get a chance to look him up on Facebook, Signature Floor Coverings, and then Sharps Fabrication Station, look him up on Facebook as well. And on topic of Riley Sharp, his dad, Rick Sharp, is in the Racers Reunion Committee, and we're going to have him on beginning of next show and talk about a little bit about the ra upcoming Racers Reunion. Um, we've got a, we've got kind of a knoll on younger faces. We need some younger, we need some of the younger crowd to get involved in this and not let this pass on. Seems cliche to get into it early on, I know, but every time we go out there it's kind of the same complaint there's nobody here or it's the same old pictures and it's because we're not contributing to this there's a big void missing of pictures and stuff that have been added out there we need to be able to get a hold of some people in the committee and insert be involved and it's not hard to do it's once a year it's not hard to get involved in doing that so just do more than getting your car in there I mean this is it's got to go it's going to go somewhere one of these days we don't want it to but if it goes on the track that it's going we all kind of fear the same thing so rick's gonna rick's gonna get on here and talk about that a little bit at the front side of the next episode because uh yeah we need to take care of that well and i i feel like it in the last i mean i've been racing for 12 13 years now i think it's been i started 20 or 2009 2010 era 2010 era running a type of modified at some point but there really hasn't been any new faces i mean you i think you could justify that too taking pictures when you started there hasn't been a whole lot of new faces that have showed up and and stayed um there's i mean we talk about guys like turner for instance and my dad and scotty allen and rex merritt i mean they've all been Frankly, I tell my dad he's been racing since Moses was a baby. We, You don't have that kind of longevity anymore. You get guys in here that, that stay for five or six years, and then they kind of go by the wayside in this area. And I, I feel like to promote racing in this area, because racing in this area is probably one of the best in the country, in my opinion, we need to, to bring the younger crowd in. I know racing is expensive now, and it's harder to get into, but bring the younger crowd in and expose them to this and show them what it's been and where it's headed and it's only going to help everybody in the long run keeping keeping the racetracks alive in this area keeping the car builders and the park providers alive and functioning cuz without without those people and the new people coming in racing in this area is is not going to thrive like it has in years past 
digital media hurt racer Big the racers reunion because we have all this stuff we can just scroll up on all the time and the only way to have that stuff back in the day was print media and i think i know i put some pictures out there um 2010 ish area i got a small little bit of section of pictures but i don't really know that there's been a whole lot of stuff added before or after that and i mean <clears throat> there's a lot that's happened before and after i posted those pictures and it doesn't need to be all new all new pictures for sure but we need people to be involved in in the whole the whole thing out there i mean we need to have people there in attendance telling stories showing support for the people uh, that current owners and operators but all the the studs that paved the way for us to have what we have today we don't need this to go away so rick's gonna touch on that i know we're probably skimping over some stuff on that he he takes a lot of pride and importance in that so he's going to be able to convey his message and better than we are for sure but want you guys to pay attention to that at the front of it because um, it's going to be it's going to be a topic here soon it, it is every year that it kind of look kind of look around and see what's going on while you're there it's it needs to be talked about now but current events arrowhead speedway west siloam they're firing back up this year so Willie Gamble I, got a hold of the place. And yeah, you've raced there before, right? Yep. I've I think I've been there probably five times. I won a feature past Muhlenberg, uh, which past Muhlenberg down there is saying something. Um my dad used me up there for the first time. Uh, I'm still I'm I'll live and die on that hill. He said I was in the way and he was he had the spot, but I'll die on the hill that my old man used me up for the first time there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a third mile is what it says, so put that in layman's terms for 602 crate motor because that's probably what you ran when you were down there, right? It really doesn't race like a, a, a third mile. Um, I don't – it's a short – like Springfield race is bigger than a quarter. Mm -hmm. It really does with the momentum and stuff you carry there. It Siloam's tighter. I know, I know they've worked on the racetrack a little bit, so I don't know – entirely how it's going to race but it's tighter a little bit longer straightaways but tight corners um it produces some real good racing um you can you can be on the bottom you can get up and you can roll the middle to the top um all the, when it's muddy it's fast but when it gets slick it's very technical it's it's a place that you have to drive you have to work your butt off all the time and it's a lot of fun i don't think i was I don't think I was racing at all last time they were open. I was taking pictures for sure, but I never went down there because it was kind of the end yeah. whenever I was starting to notice what was going on. But I know a lot of people have raced there in the past. It used to be a pretty hopping place, so that's going to be well, cool used, to see that used go on. To, they, so back in the 90s, my dad explained it to me when the first time we went down there. It was a lot smaller, and they extended it way out i think turns three and four they extended it out by 150 foot or so i think it used to be like a smaller quarter and they extended the racetrack way out um and it it made the racing better used to you hugged you hugged the light poles and now they you got it pushed out um but with the facility improvements and stuff that i've seen i mean but really the only time when you're driving to the racetrack that you're going to be on dirt there is when you're on the racetrack from the pictures i've seen with all the improvements on the roads and stuff that they put on. And um, Bryce Hall is going to be the promoter, from what I understand. 
Bryce has been a lot, been around a lot of racing. He traveled with Todd for a couple, three years, and I think if Bryce is at the helm of that, it's gonna be gonna be a tightly run show, and he's gonna know what he wants to see right off the bat. So from Springfield, it's roughly a hundred ish miles down there. Yeah, there's no good way to get there. It's gonna take you two and a half hours, two hours and forty five minutes. That's kind of what I'm looking at, but it's all, I mean, it's not terrible. That's a Friday night option for many people in the Joplin area that are kind of filling the void. Like, uh, I know Monette's going to switch back again. They're going back to Saturdays again. That's what I was reading. So the Friday night guys are, that's something to look at. Siloam's going to be wide open for the, for the taking. So I, I know for sure that, uh, at least it it won't be every week just because of the drive, but at least once a month, maybe once every other month, just when my schedule and money allows that I will for sure be down there. Just, I love that place. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. It races really well. And I'm excited to see a racetrack open back up. That's been closed down for so long. So today power, I said that they were going to sanction or open up sanctioning for front wheel drives and B mods. And I don't know how that's going to go just yet because that's going to, I think Power Eye is in the position that they're going to try to make changes that people ask of with USRA that haven't happened yet. And them saying that they're going to be sanctioning B mods and Hornets, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Bolivar said today that they're going to go with it. Um, I, I, I just don't, don't know about, I don't, whoever takes it and stuff, I don't know. But free track sanctioning, it says points fun. No fees for non-members or anything like that. Um, I don't really know how that's going to work. I'm going to see it, if they're going to, whenever the rules come out, if they're going to offer something for rockers, for the B-mods, it's going to be a big talking point. And then the, the, someone's midway's pushing the LS thing, but Power Eye shook their head at that. They didn't want that. So I don't think that they'll do... LS stuff with the B mods, but uh, Rockers is going to be a talking point. But and who goes with them? So it's going to be a big divide if we get more than two or three tracks going with full Power Eye sanction versus USRA sanction. That's going to create a bit of a divide, I think. And if Power Eye pushes a lot of these, a lot of changes, kind of like you had mentioned, like they push the Rocker changes or they push, they push some other envelope that everybody's kind of wanting to see that really limits the clientele. They're they're not going to get somebody from the USRA side come in and run a one-off show. I think it's going to hinder it to where you're going to have a set number of cars that run either one, and you're not going to have the freedom that you've had the last six or seven years, especially in the BMOD area around here, to where you can go anywhere within a five-hour radius, and you can run your BMOD on any given night that there's a race. Well, looking at their post, it says that they're... Rule package will be similar but not identical to current local sanction bodies that can be found. So, I don't know what that means exactly. Probably should have checked it out a little more before I got into this, but I was just seeing this not that long ago. So, I don't know that Midway will get that part, especially with Chris racing their weekly, to be totally honest. If he's USRA racing, I, can't, I don't know about him going. But, I can see Lake Ozark checking it out. So Lake Ozark, Midway's already got power out everything else. And Bolivar's looking into it. No so, power ever by Midwest mods at Midway, though, right? Because that was the LS side that uh, they true. were pushing. Yeah, yeah no, none of that. So 
Uh, I don't know. For sure, you won't see Springfield doing it. Unless Fmod. Well, I, maybe Jerry's a Jerry, not a not hip to USRA. So uh, USRA, who knows that Springfield could be a thing. Now that I say that, because he's not super hip on on USRA. So I did, I've from taking the racing standpoint aside, the rules packages and whatnot with the cars. Taking all of that aside, USRA has one of the best foundations. In my opinion, I haven't I haven't dealt with a lot of the IMCA side. I know I've ran IMCA for a couple three years, but the USRA side in 2016 I got hurt at Monet. I got a pretty severe concussion and had to go to the hospital. USRA has very good measures in place for stuff like that that happens. They have the insurance. The track has insurance, obviously, and USRA has insurance. And I mean, from the from the word go. When I told my dad, like, hey, look, this is what happened. Like, I've got to go to the hospital to get checked out. Dad called Todd Staley, and a lot of people cussed Todd for reasons unknown. But from the minute we said, hey, this is what happened, Todd and USRA did everything that they could possibly do to try to help me in that situation. And that's something that I won't ever forget. The USRA stepped up majorly to help with that side of it and that's i that's something i would i don't know what power i will do in that uh, it situation is here secondary insurance so i'm sure it's going to probably fall in line with something similar to usra because the track picks it up first and then it's mm -hmm. sanctioned and then personal Correct. from there right that's the pecking order on that yeah yeah that's when that deal happened to me it was so monet monet's insurance kicked in and then up the usra insurance Yep, and then USRA covers from yep. there up to X amount, and if there's remainder, then it goes to you. Correct. But I'm sure Power Eye is probably going to be doing something similar to that. But I would say, but I just you don't ever really want to look into. <laughs> I mean, no, it's not at all. But it's it's something to keep in mind. Like I'm not saying that Power Eye has anything wrong with what they're doing. I don't want it to sound like that at all. But there's a lot of guys that I think want to talk bad about USRA and say, oh yeah, let's just go power I, but USRA has been around for a long time for a good reason. Cause, and they take care of the racers and I'm not power. I is probably going to do the same thing. They're, they're recently new in this area. And I looking at what they've done for the point structure of the pure stocks and the Midwest mods in the last couple of years, they've given those guys the opportunity to race for a lot of money, but not break their back doing only the 20 point or 20 shows per year for their point structure. So it, 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 it enables the guy to race one night a week. And then maybe at the end, hit a couple two day shows here and there to try to get a national points title, which is way more budget friendly than trying to have 40 or 50 shows at the end of the year and trying to compete with guys all across the nation like that. Well, Eldora million this year, sprint car guys are fired up now. Uh, late models raced for a million last year. This year, sprint cars raced for a million at Eldora. It's not really big news to us, but it's big news to the sprint car community because they've been racing for not a lot of money versus yeah. late model guys for a couple of years now, and that's been getting a little more, a little more obvious, and a little more salt poured in the wound every time there's a huge late model race every other day. So that's non-sanctioned. 
uh, I'd say there's probably going to be quite a few of those sprint car guys that run World of Outlaws. It's going to include that in one of their eight freebie races that they can run outside the sanction. Because World of Outlaws said you can go run other tracks, but you can only run up to eight without getting... There's like a bonus incentive thing that if you... You can run up to eight unsanctioned races and still be eligible for your commitment bonus, basically. And if you run outside of that, then you're just racing for points money. But So I'd say there'll be a lot of those guys that don't venture off and race a whole lot of extra, if not all of them, that are going to save that one to go run for a million. So that's uh, going to be a pretty good deal. So the winner gets just a tick over a million, $1.4 million purse. That's what they're saying. Uh, other than that, I don't really know the biggest sprint car purse. 50? No, 150, right? For Knoxville? Or is that Kings Royal? One of the two. But There at Eldora, yeah. yeah. Knoxville, I think, when we went last year, I think it... I think I remember them saying somewhere around 350 between paying all the the non qualifiers and stuff. Well, I mean the winner pounds. only. Oh yeah, so, Knoxville for sure, like 150. Yeah. So that late model guys get an opportunity to race for good coin every week. So yeah, that's cool. I don't sprint car stuff's neat, but I'm out of touch with it. So I don't know. I I think it'll be cool to watch because I think you're gonna see some guys that you wouldn't normally see go to Eldora. And you'll probably have somebody that steps up and be like, holy shit, who's this? And here they are. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to get Eric on the hotline here. He's been patiently waiting for us this evening. So is there anything else you want to get get on before we pick up Eric? No, I, say, I say let's bring him in. Right. Eric Turner, Hermitage, Missouri's own. How are you today? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Good. It's got me and Trevor here talking with you tonight. You uh, you attacked this. You said you were ready. Yeah, yeah. I, I like listening to these things, and I kind of kind of didn't know much about podcasts and stuff like that. And then I started listening to a few, and kind of listened to some of Dale's and some of yours. And I was like, that's kind of a neat way to a different aspect of talking about racing and interviewing and getting to know people's real deal, I guess. There's a lot of stuff out there. Dirt on Dirt, they have like a little video cast thing that they put out every now and again. That's cool because you get to actually hear from people outside of just standing in front of their holler. But the Dale Jr. stuff sets the bar. That's ridiculously yeah. good. But that's kind of – that led a, led me into wanting to do this a little more from the very start. It was like listening to his stuff because it's so good. And yeah, didn't have real good. touching on stuff around here anymore. No, and and you can do everybody on Dale's stuff is just very sincere and honest, and that's what I like about it is you know they they might say a few things you know obscene or whatever, but they're just down to earth and real, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, and whenever people come on, this is your your time. You say what you want. So, however you, people want to be viewed, and I mean if you're being yourself, that's just how it is. So, yeah, I think that's good too. So you get out of line a little bit that. That even better because people get to yeah. see who you really are. Yeah. Without yeah. Without it being straight up on Facebook or whatever, we're, you're gonna have to go attempt to find this stuff on your own. It's not gonna be brought out in front of you with someone else's opinion. So that's good. But, yeah, that's what I like. Well, let's start everything out from the beginning. Trevor and I were talking before we got started here, and he said he was talking to his dad today, 
talking about some of the dirt work days and <laughs> some of the early on Eric Turner stuff. And it shows you've been racing since 96. Is that right? Yep. That's the so, year I graduated. So take us from uh, there. I know there's a, you ran around with a lot of people we've, we've interacted with the last couple of years, whether it's beyond this or racing yeah. and being around. So take it from the top. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, Trevor and his dad, <laughs> got, got a lot of stories about that about that man. <laughs> he, 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 I, I'll 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 touch on him real quick. I'll I'll never forget while it's fresh on my mind racing down at uh, Norfolk on a Sunday afternoon race, and uh, I think me and Scotty and Jerry, all of us were down there. All Gary, all of us were down there, and he come in there, bonsai me in the feature and i mean just <laughs> plum run over me and i didn't know whether to get mad or not because we were all like teammates in these dirt works cars and i i was just i mean i didn't know i didn't know how to handle i was just getting kind of started and come in and i didn't really say anything to him and i saw him a few weeks later like monad or something and i was like hey man you know you you kind of run over me, you know, and I, I didn't want to say nothing because I looked up to him, you know, kind of like one of my heroes, you know, and I was like, he's like, well, I'll just give you a little advice, bud. Eight tires go around the, around the corner better than four. And I was like, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to respond to that. Like, I, I guess, I guess I need to put that Nerf bar back in the right side door. I didn't like running them, but I know why they're in there now. <laughs> There's a certain level of respect you can give a guy when he runs you over and backs it up. That's exactly you right. You want to be mad, he, but what, yep, what more he, is there to he, say? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was straight up honest with me about it, and I was just kind of like, you know what? I, I guess I just need to put that in my hat, and maybe someday I'll get to use it some somewhere down the road. But uh, <laughs> there's lot, lots of those kind of stories that I learned about that. But, you know, when I, when I graduated from school, I went to Bolivar and Lebanon to the pavement races and was watching, and I'd ride with uh, Rex Merritt's mom because she lived here in Hermitage, and I'd go watch Rex race. And, uh, oh, just probably for two or three years, and, and I never even dreamed about getting into racing, and I never really dreamed of getting to know any of those guys. And I got, I'd always take a picture, and Rex gave me a big picture of his car, like a 4 by 8 or 5 by 12 whatever. And he wrote a little note on there, and it said, Eric, when you get out of school, come go racing with us, Rex Merritt. And I've kept that. I've still got it. And I uh, pulled that out here several years ago. Me and mom was looking at stuff and I was just like, man, that, that's kind of weird because that, that's really how it got started. Because I, when I got out of school, I was like, I'm going to do this, but I didn't have any money. And I was talking to my buddies and uh, we'd found an old pavement car, an old left-hander pavement car that was over at Buffalo and um I was like I don't even know how to I don't even know what to do so I went I went to the bank and borrowed like 8500 bucks for this car and it had no business being on the dirt and I didn't know anything about racing didn't even have a, a steering quickener in it and we brought it over here and Kent Smith and Squeak and these guys helped me kind of put this thing together. We went over to Nevada and just, I started last for, in my heat race and the feature for about a half a year with Barry Dahmer and Bob Curbs and 
Quisenberry and just all these guys that were Ed Potts, you know, I mean, these guys were good, you know, and I just kind of was watching and trying to figure out how to race and what to do and what not to do. And, and then it just kind of evolved from there. And then of course, Rex was kind of watching what I was doing as I was doing it. And Monty Grice was, was, was helping a little bit and kind of coming up with ideas and it, it just kind of evolved from there. And then Monty called me and Rex and said, Hey, we've got a car from Texas that needs a clip put on it. And it's Dirtworks car. And, you know, we'd like to try to figure out how to get you in it. And I was like, well, well, yeah, I'd love to have it, you know? And they said, well, this is the cheapest way to get you into, into a car without having to buy a new car. And then one thing led to another and Rex set up a deal with me and Mike sit down and, and kind of got in on the house car deal. And that's when it kind of started picking up and I started learning a lot more and just, just driving, not really into the technology part of it because it wasn't as bad as it is now, but that's when I started getting to be a little bit more competitive and keeping my starting spot in heat races. And I'll never forget over at Nevada, I parked next to Barry Domer and Ed Potts would park one down and Ed would always have a cigar in his mouth and he'd always have a sticker on his tire before we go out for the feature. And one day I just walked over there. I'm like, how many new tires have you put on this car this year? I said, I don't ever hardly put new tires on and you're, you're always putting new tires on. So I started buying tires because I was like, that's how Ed's beating me all the time. He's putting new tires on. And it, it was probably a year or two later down the road. I walked, I walked, just happened to walk by his trailer and I saw him putting that sticker on that tire. (laughs) (laughs) And and I walked over and I said, what are you doing? And he said, he just kind of looked at me and he kind of cocked his head and he's got a little, little grin. Oh, Ed does. He just, he said, you finally caught me. And I said, what? Well, I said, that tire is used. He goes, I've been putting stickers on used tires because you've been watching me all year long. And I've been watching you go buy a new tire every time you come over here. And I've been running on these old junk tires every time. That's awesome. But he, yeah, he, he, he got he got the biggest kick out of that because I just thought I, and I didn't have any money. I just, I did everything I could to go get a new tire because Ed was putting a sticker on a used tire making me think that he had new tires on when we went out on the track. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's kind of a cool story about old Ed, but the bad thing is right there. I can, I can just see Ed sitting down, looking up at you, holding that cigar in his mouth, just grinning ear to ear the whole time laughing oh, at you. Oh yeah. He loved it. <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, Ed, Ed was a shoe, you know, I mean, he, he, he was, he was a, he was a good, good runner and fast. And I just thought, Maybe that's what I need to do. And so I'd, I'd always try to drum up some money and buy me a new right rear tire because that's what Ed Potts is doing. So I said, that's what I got to do. <laughs> that's but, racing uh, in a nutshell right there. That's racing in a monkey see, monkey do. And <laughs> now I look at it and it's it's uh, it's like that, but it's, it costs a lot more to, to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah, for sure. That, that's yeah. back when it was fun. Yeah. And that, and you say you got on the house car program and started racing modified and stuff. When when did your first win fall in the middle of all that? You know, I think it was somewhere around, well, it was at Nevada because what had happened 
was I got that car, that, that dirt works car and I, they had a special over there and Barry and Bob curbs always kind of had a feud with each other over there all the time. And they had a special and for some reason, I don't remember what happened, but one of them two took the other one out and I was running third and I ended up winning that race. And, you know, I was on cloud nine because I, you know, I'd won, won a pretty cool race kind of by default, but then it just kind of, kind of picked up from there and, and, uh, you know, started winning some heat races and picked up a couple of feature wins. I know, I remember one night, I think Rex was over there leading and, uh, we was coming off turn four and I don't know if he was turning to go in the infield cause he thought the race was over, but I might've bumped him in the left rear tire and cut his tire down a little bit and went, went on around him and won the race. But I don't know if, if, if he hit the brakes or if he was looking at his email or something, but <laughs> I'll never forget I, that. I'm sure Rex has a different side to that story because I, I know he does. <laughs> the the couple times that I've had a little bit of run in with Rex, he he came over and politely told me I might be young, but he's old enough where he doesn't forgive. He's an elephant. He is an elephant. He he doesn't <laughs> forgive because I about about that time, probably in that in the early 2000s and stuff, when when we started racing and and Wheatland had opened up, he pulled out on the track one night, and I was getting getting pretty cocky right in that age because I was thought I've got this figured out, and we pull out on the track for for the feature, and I thought I'd run up and bump him in the butt because we're back at home where he grew up, and you know my family's there, our friends and. You know Rex merits here. This is the reason why I got started, and I'm I'm as good as he is. I I run up, bumped him on the backstretch before we even took the green, and he slammed on the brakes so hard, and I drove right up under him, and it rumped my nose, and I mean he literally just held the brakes down, and I didn't I didn't even dream in a million years he would hit the brakes as we were pulling out because I just run up, tapped him a little bit thinking that, you know, I'll show you here when we get going. He just, he just about finished me off before we even started. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, I don't, I don't even think I can turn the car now. He's done seen all the cute stuff in days past. Yeah. He didn't want to have to fool with any of that kind of stuff. No, I, I put an end to me doing any of the bumper cars with him on the cautions. <laughs> <laughs> so after getting started at Dirtworks and getting your first win, where do you go from there? Well, then I went to uh, Scotty's, to Allen, and Scotty built me a car, and we come out the gate doing 98, went to West Plains, run a lot of Stanfield races they had down there, and gosh, that was kind of back in the day when we was like, oh, I would say, I think that's kind of when we first started doing a lot of four-link stuff, and we had it clamped up. I think we had four bar on the left side, two link on the right, clamped up, wheelied up, you know, just all kinds of traction. And I can just remember that West Plains race down there, that Stanfield race. And that car was just so, so good coming up through there because it got so slick and it, it wouldn't pull the front end up off the ground because it was just so slick, but it had so much traction. And, um, I remember remember coming up through there one time and got up got up through there to 
oh fourth or something like that my car got started getting hot and i don't know why or what and normally they wouldn't let you do this but i remember passing wendell and my car was getting so hot that it was spewing out the overflow and i pulled up there where you go off the track at west plains and turn three where i pulled up on the flat and i didn't even know terry phillips and he walks down there and is like trying to get my radiator cap pushed back down on i don't know if the radiator cap was loose but i just thought why why what who why is terry phillips trying to get my get my car back out on the track you know like he don't i don't i ain't see him do that for his own damn car and i'm like the hell is he doing that on my car for like i thought that was pretty cool you know as a as a kid yeah and um I don't know if he just was watching me, you know, come up through there or whatever, but, and just thought, gosh, I'd hate to have to pull off myself, but it just kind of was a cool deal. And, and, uh, we went on down the road and ran with Scotty there for a long time. And we won a lot of races and, and then my paths crossed with Terry and that's when Jeremy came along, you know, when he went to Batesville and was racing with Taylors and all that stuff. And then the Alltel came along and then we just kind of all got together. And then, then that whole scenario started with, with us three racing. And, and then I started racing out of Terry's shop and we kind of had our own little gig going i guess you would say with those grts because nobody really wanted a grt car terry was the only one that that really ran good in them and what what era was that 2012 13 because 2014 is when like we went to casa grande and el paso and that's when we really really had good cars and and had good years was the 2013 14 and 15 years so i was looking yeah. at some stuff and i knew like 2011 2010 11 ish areas whenever you started popping into the grt stuff and then after yeah. that it was holy terror on any on you three anything grt you guys had a hold of it was holy terror after that yeah that the the first year was was really really good we we did really well out west that winter and it was it was it was just crazy just how advanced we kind of were but it wasn't anything magical really you know but it was you know i think terry just spent so much time critiquing and fine-tuning that car and and that chassis to his driving style a lot for one but also just the little things that add up to the big things like we all do today but it was it was a lot of fun back then having you know like everybody said you know the secret pull bars and bird cages that bsb built us and you know we blacked everything out under those cars with black spray paint and i can always remember jay and Delbert, you know, asking us not to spray paint that stuff under there because it was all bright orange, you know, and they wanted us to make sure people knew that we were running their product. But first thing we did was went to O'Reilly on Kearney Street and TP'd by two cases of black spray paint, and we'd just put her on the lift and go to painting. That's, I just heard that Derek Watson bought a car a couple of years ago, 
and everything he De Derek's super duper anal about everything being clean and shiny and brand new and he said everything was spray painted black any suspension piece it didn't yep. matter it just got painted. the himes and all yeah. the himes and all <laughs> i mean everything and i mean just i'm not kidding it was cheap spray paint i remember butch was his name that worked over there and <laughs> i thought what in the world are we getting this cheap spray paint i mean because we would buy we bought brake pads there i mean it was just crazy the stuff that tp had on some of them cars that you would have thought he would have had millions of dollars in there you know but we'd get our fuel regulators there you know just and but it was simple and you know it never it didn't fail and that was his big deal and you just didn't have problems with that kind of stuff and he just knew that and that's that's kind of why those cars were were good because we didn't have to focus on high dollar regulators and you know we had a 25 dollar edelbrock fuel regulator on there that's it you can like, probably attest to some of this stuff in the 2000 2008 9 10 11 era you guys anywhere you showed up to regional money show or usmts and pop round it and from spectator standpoint, it almost seemed to get old, especially on the regional big money stuff, because you guys are clean house and yeah. show up. But was there any? This is always always something floating around that no one ever was able to pin anything down. Did you guys ever get paid to show up anywhere? Because I know that was always a, a thing when Terry would come to Springfield. When you guys were all running together, Terry would come to Springfield. It was oh he got paid, he got show up money. Was that ever a thing? You know. In the modified, and not, not not the late model, but the modified. Yeah, and that's you know I I never really knew for sure if he did or didn't because there's lots of things even even living with them and racing out of the shop that he didn't talk about, and that was one thing he didn't never talk about. And you know I don't know for sure if he did or didn't, you know, but I always kind of wondered. I always thought he probably got some pit passes or something, you know, just something yeah. kind of slide him, slide him around and stuff like that. And, you know, I know some others, some other people and stuff, you know, got some show up money and, but in, in the late mile stuff, but in the mod stuff, it was kind of like you said, but it was so new and happening so fast. It was, it started to be kind of a draw to see TP in a, mm -hmm. in a modified cause, cause he got rolling so good and, and, was very very tough to beat in that era and still is to this day but i mean but he brought it to a new level really fast so at 2009 i think it was at springfield at the turkey bowl we're kind of yeah. jumping around but this is all in the same area of time here turkey bowl springfield you got into a hell of a wreck in a grt over there <laughs> yeah well what you yeah. remember about that one but that was ugly that was the sun that we made that one up on sunday and yep. there was a bunch of mud pushed up against the wall from the road yep. grader and yep i just it was just one of them deals that i think it was darren Hendricks and i come off the corner and he just kind of come up and you know i just come off a of turn four you kind of better be straight when you get to the wall or you're going into it and there was there was just a little bit of dirt kind of up on it it was kind of like a k-rail and my right front just kind of hit it just right. It wasn't nobody's fault. It just, we run out of real estate and it, it shot me up in the air and I've still got a video clip of it. It flipped six times and it, it destroyed that car. I mean, it, it didn't just bend it a little bit. It, 
it destroyed it. And I remember getting out of that car and I remember for some reason TP was down there mm-hmm. and I didn't, I was still kind of goofy, you know, cause it, it was pretty hard hit. I mean, that track's hard. Like mm-hmm. the, the track itself was hard. It was, it was daytime. Yeah. It's a day race. And, and it, it's, you know, a lot of tracks are hard, but some tracks are just harder than others. Sprinkles just used to be really hard. A lot of rock in it, but I mean, it was, it, it, it hurt that car. And I always thought, you know, I, I know people wondered if I was okay, but I remember lots of people checking it out and, when I drug it off, I can remember TP saying, take it to the infield. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, well, we're going to take the infield for it. And he said, just take it down there until the races are over. And then we'll come down here and pick it up. And then I remember him sending back. I don't remember if it was stick or I don't remember who all was around Jeff Morgan or something. There were so many people around back in them days helping in our little posse there. He had him go get a tarp. And they yeah. tarped that car up in the infield. He didn't want nobody to see anything on that race car, even though it was all bent and broke. We tarped her up in the infield. And after the race rover, we went down there and put it on trailer. And we took it back out to his house to shop. And we just kind of went through and got some of the stuff of it off that was salvageable, which was just literally nothing other than like cockpit stuff. And we took the sheet metal off of it, put in our sheet metal pile and stripped it. And I took it to the crusher deal right there, just on, uh, Oh, what is that division? And right in Springfield, there's the scrap yard. No, there's Springfield divisions. iron and metal. Yeah. Springfield iron and metal probably. Yeah. And I pulled in there with that thing on the trailer and they gave me $37 and 75 cents <laughs> for that car. <laughs> and I thought that, I should, I didn't even, I mean, I'll never forget that because that car was a really, really good race car. And, you know, some of them just come out the gate just really, really good. And some, some are lemons, just, just, just kind of happens that way. But that was, man, that was a really good race car. And it was destroyed after that. I remember getting a drug to the infield and there was, it was Justin from VP was telling like, people coming up looking at it gawking he's wanting them to get back get back while well, i was taking pictures and i was trying to take a picture of just take pictures of the car just tore up and i, I got chewed over that and because as they were putting the tarp on it or the cover on it i was just i wasn't trying to take look being naive at the time i wasn't taking pictures yeah of anything other than to show what was tore up little did i know there's a lot of stuff that other people wanted to see at the time but that was one of the things i remember the most about it was getting a drug to the infield and it was like almost as if as soon as the hook left it covered it up like nobody sees this and nobody nope. dicked with it until the pits were pretty much clear yep and it got loaded up and took off out of there but and he I, treated it like there was a body in there yeah, I mean, legitimately like nobody and and like you said there was a lot of people that just wanted to see you know, as anybody does, where did it bend? What, 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 how did it get torqued? Cause it was a violent wreck. It was, yeah. it was massive and anybody would have want to seen the car, but he was already thinking, don't, you know, don't let them see anything. Don't let them see the bird cages, the pulp, you know, and only somebody like that would think about that, you know, mm-hmm. in that real quick, you know, to be real quick on it because 
there was lots of things somebody probably could have spotted and said, whoa, that's a good idea right there. Yeah, just, you know, there's a car that turned over at the dome, and just as soon as it turned over, I told Trevor, I was like, that guy's got a spring bar. Just as soon as it landed, like, then that's what people sure. noticed. And at that time, yeah. I had no idea, but, yeah, I remember that pretty vivid, because it, I think his name is Justin, the guy that does VP Midwest. He was, like, pointing people. Is that his name, Justin? Yeah, yeah. Justin Bolt. He was uh, directing traffic for damn sure. He, he was yeah. not afraid to tell somebody they needed to get no. out of the way. But, no. Yeah, I was getting but, chewed on. I, was like, I didn't, I didn't understand. I was like, these guys are a bunch of dicks. But in yep. hindsight, I understand every bit of it. Yep, they were, they were just guard dogging, and that's, that's kind of, kind of how that happened. And end up by just getting another car, and just and then we just kind of, you know, went from there again and kind of started over again. And 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 it was wasn't a bad car. It wasn't probably a real real good car i didn't feel as good as that other car did but it, it was it was still good and you know we we always run our cars for a year and just would sell them and that's kind of how tp would get some cars out there and some customers without you know that didn't want to buy one turnkey because he never wanted to, to put cars together in the shop mm-hmm. so except for ours you know he didn't want to get into the business of of putting other people's cars together so it was just you know, we put our cars together and then we sold them. And then we'd get another one, build our own cars and, and move them. Just just rotate them, you know. I guess I didn't realize at the time it all seemed like it was all separate. But you were running a lot of late model stuff in that same era, like the 2010 yeah. to 2014-ish range race for yeah. Steve Rushing. And then Panel was following yep. Rushing. But that's 2010 was probably your first year running for Rushing, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. So that's when when Steve called and and I think we started out just right out the gate running the Mars deal. Yeah, that's when we start. We ran for Mars points that year, I yep. think, and almost won the points that year because it it rained out the. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna I was gonna say I led the points most of the year, and it come down to the very last race. And it, it it rained out, and I think we went to Paducah, and TP beat me by two or three spots and took the points lead, and, and we had a race at Monette left, and Randy called, Randy just canceled it. And, you know, at the time, I was just like, yeah, you know, I, you know we'll, we'll get it next year, you know. We had a pretty good year, but, you know, those that doesn't just happen, you know what I mean? Just, I didn't realize just how big of a deal that was that I was getting ready to win the Mars championship and I should have fought a little bit harder for that, but I was just so new to late model racing and, you know, big daddy Russian was just, you know, keeping the tires on her and motors and all that stuff. And, you know, we were just going wide open, but I was just like, you know, thinking this is, this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, just, now I go back and think, man, I wish I'd have won that championship because not very many people had won the Mars championship back then, you know. Yeah, that was Except just Terry Fry's deal for the longest yeah. time. Yeah, and I about got to spoil that for the first time, and everybody was more into it than I was. I was just happy that Russian gave me a ride, you know. I, I mean, that that was a huge deal for me just to be able to drive a late model. You won right off the bat that year. You there was a race at Clarksville yep. in March that you won right off yep. the bat, and I'm sure 
you're running with pretty tough crowd. I mean, Clarksville picked up their own national guys at that point, so you outrun some national cars right along with the regional cars you're going to be racing with. And yep, I remember that race. Put really. you probably almost. I'm sure that probably put you in a little bit of a weird spot in your own head, thinking like, "Oh, uh oh." <laughs> That's that race was the race where I was like, "I I can do this," yeah. you know, like. And then, because I remember Brian Shirley and a lot of them guys, Fager and some of them guys from over there before they really got big into it. But you know, there was a lot of cars at that race, and you know, I they didn't mean a lot to me, not in a bad way, but because I just didn't even know who they were. Yeah, we were all just kind of getting started. You know, it was still beat TP. I mean, it was still beat him, and and uh, when we won that, it was just kind of the beginning of going out and i think we won at wichita and we won we won a race at, i remember one of the biggest races i remember when was at west plains but it started 12th and i had to pass jeremy and terry to win the race you know and that that always means more when you pass them guys and not just get a good heat race and get to start in front of them and and win from the pole but uh and at midway i had a race where i had to pass terry when it latched down with rubber one time and I got to got to pass him there, and you know those races just mean a lot more to to a racer to pass guys than to hold them off. I guess that race you won at Midway, you were in it was Russian's car, but it was the 14 car that night, wasn't it? You weren't in the night. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was that there that first year that night too. Yep. Yeah, that first year, I I ran his car, and I I'd asked him, I think the next year if I could put my number on there, and. He was a little reluctant, you know, because that was Big Daddy's number and, you know, but that's like you said, I kind of realized, I'm like, maybe I'm going to be able to be a, a race car, like a late model driver. Like, I'm going to try to get known like these other guys and establish my number and all that stuff. And uh, and he was like, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't care. You know, I'm going to race some too. And we, and we had the other car, 14 Junior, you know, in the trailer and steve's health kind of had started to deteriorate a little bit and he wasn't racing much and uh there was just a year or two right there where we, we had his car there and sometimes he would sometimes he wouldn't you know and it was just and then he was just kind of okay with it after we started running good you know he didn't he he didn't care and you know we made sure people people all the people knew that i was racing for steve you know i mean everybody knew steve and still does you know so it was kind of kind of big daddy's car and he let me put my number on it and try to build my career out of it because i thought from from that point i thought i'm gonna be able to go travel and race for a living and we did for a couple years we run 90 some shows one year all over the country i mean just just wherever i could find a race I could go and that you know that's pretty that's a dream come true for a racer after the after racing the late model for Russian you went to panel from there yep you didn't do any modified racing in between you just kind of went straight late model racing from there or did you still mod race no I wasn't doing any mod racing I'd kind of just got kind of saw all my parts and stuff and that that uh, Gary Christian I don't know if you remember him he yep. ran a yeah, late model let yeah he was at that he was at uh, over there at uh oh what was that track we were just talking about where i won the first where i won over there at, 
Clarksville. He runs second in that race. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of bouncing around coming up here racing. And his dad, Scotty, called me out of the blue and said, hey, why don't you come, come down here? Panel wants to talk to you. And I was like, "Who? who's Panel? You know, like, he said, well, his name's Terry. He wants, he's got some cars down here. And like, you need to come down here. He, you know, you need to come down here and talk to him. And I'm like, I'm not driving six and a half hours to talk to some guy that I don't even know about, you know, I, what, what do I do? Just walk in there and say, I want to drive your car. He said, just come on, just, just come down here. And I pondered on that for about three weeks. Cause I'm like, that, that seems really awkward to just drive way down to Oklahoma, Texas line and just w- pull up and I don't even know what I'm going to see. I don't know what this guy's got. I don't know anything about him. And I did, and I pulled up, and it was like a NASCAR shop. And I was like, holy shit, this is cool. Like, I can't wait to see inside there and open the door. And there was, I don't know, three or four late models sitting there and just just the nicest stuff that you could ever imagine. I mean, he keeps his stuff immaculate and just beautiful stuff. There was a couple mods in there and just... I was just like, wow, like, this would be cool. <laughs> and we kind of started talking, and he's like, yeah, if you want to take that thing and you want to go up there to Lakeside and run, he goes, you can take that thing up there. He said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come. He said, I might fly in. He said, I think I'll fly in up there. He said, just throw that. He said, throw that son of a bitch in the back of Scotty's trailer and go up there and race it. And... He had just bought that car from Josh Richards after Josh had won. I think they called it the Colossal at Charlotte, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he, he told me that he bought the motor, the car. The car's name was Brutus, number six. And he bought this spare motor turnkey at, at the racetrack. And I thought oh my gosh who 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 in the right mind could do that yeah and you know i fired that thing up and i'm pretty sure it had clement's motor in it because he had the spare motor that went with it and i'm like this thing's got to be badass like i mean josh richards drove it and won won at charlotte with it so we went to went to kansas to, to lakeside went out there and won the heat and i remember dale mcdowell was there and it was one of those, I think it was a NASCAR weekend mm-hmm. and had a Friday, Saturday show and I won the Friday night deal and couldn't even believe it. Just, I just was, I couldn't even believe what had happened. And cause I had a Ute tire on the last lap toward the left front off. Couldn't get across the scales and cowboy was trying to get me to go across the scales and they had to carry me off front stretch on it with a wrecker. And they tried to set me on the scales and cowboy was all about wheelbase all the time. We'd always turn our wheels right or left and try to try to trick him. Cause we'd always try to shorten that wheelbase up and cowboy get to twitching his arm and get mad at us and start hooping and hollering. And, and, and he was bound and determined to get that car weighed. And we finally got it on there and got it weighed and it was fine. And, and I remember, cause I think I tore the upper a, a mount. Uh, a-arm mounts out of the frame and terry got got in there and he started what he welded on that car all night long just trying to get that thing back to 100 percent for saturday night 
went out there Saturday night and won the heat won the heat race again started on pole because Dale started on the outside of me Saturday night's race and we went in there I think first or second lap went in there and he come down and just broke the right front off my car and broke tie rod and I was done and kind of from then on you know we we just kind of went on racing from there and terry's like you know if you want to drive that thing you know and then he bought a hauler and it just kind of blossomed from there and then we just kind of went and raced wherever we didn't really race any series or anything but i mean always had top of the line stuff and we we bought a moyer car one year and had billy take it out to arizona and he drove it all arizona and then come back and you know put put our motor in it and our doors and quarters and just fun stuff like that you know that was just kind of kind of neat to be able to do that kind of stuff and just have fun at the same time i was getting i was gonna quiz you on that first race out i figured you probably knew with those guys but i was gonna quiz you on it because i was there with ron watching but then i pulled up some results that he led all 30 right out of the gate on that first night and then the story was showing the next night that you and Dale McDowell got together, and so I figured you probably were gonna know, but that's pretty cool. Just line all that yeah. stuff out like that. It was. It was really neat to to get that like that, and I really wanted to win that second night because I knew I had the car to beat because the car was just really, really good. And I, you know, I don't think Dale did anything intentionally. I think it was another one of those real estate deals because it was in three and four and those corners are so round, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't push and he didn't get loose. It was just like, we were just so close and it just, and you know, that was kind of about, about the era that everybody was kind of pushing that right front out, you know, a little bit. And you know, that right front gets out there quite a ways, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to tell and judge and, it just it just snapped that tie rod and I was just like, man, I just I mean I wanted to cry because I was just thought this that was a big race. I mean it was just because there were so many people and there was a lot of hype at that race. Mm-hmm. Just that race used to be. I mean you couldn't pack pack another person in that place, and here I am winning the first Friday night, you know, and I'm nobody. I mean Perky was there, all of everybody was there. I mean it was, and I'm just I didn't even. I didn't even think about those guys because not because of disrespect, but just because I was just like, you just kind of in your own world when you're racing and you don't really think about who's running 10th. Like, but then you do, when you go home, you're like, man, Al Perky was there, you know, all these hot shoes, Kyle Burke. And you know, you're just like, wow, that was, that was really cool. But then it puts the high expectations on yourself of, where are we going next? <laughs> yeah. So after that, where'd, where'd you go? That puts us up to, that's 2011-ish area. Yeah, that uh, that's when, let's see, I'm trying to think. That's probably, I don't think I got another A mod yet. I don't think I did anything for a year or two after that it showed because i got one win from a sprint car race at wheeland down in 2011 
in the white bodied GRT car, but I, I had I didn't really see a whole lot of stuff in that year. It was late in the year in 2011 when you had that. Yeah, and that that was kind of a one off deal that I don't even remember if I had that car very long or exactly what I was doing with that car. Because I can't even, I couldn't even touch back and tell you what year that I, that we run the factory stock, the factory stock car. I can't, I can't remember what mod I was even racing the year that I ran that factory stock that we bought from Jody Tillman. I think I had that pulled up just a little bit ago. I think that was in 2012. Because I seen it on. Yeah. I was just asking you about that before we got started. So yeah, that was in 2012. I think I think so, okay. and I may have been in one of Scotty's cars at that in that era. So that the night you're talking about there, you said you won all three heats and all three features and everything that you ran that night. Yep. So late well, model, yeah, that, modified, and a factory stock. Yeah, I bought a Show Me. That's when the Show Me series come out. Remember the Show Me series yep. late models? Yep. I bought a, I bought Jimmy Greenway's car turn turnkey and i was and i it wasn't the show me cars that they had late models at wheatland i don't remember what the series was but they could run together mm -hmm. and and that and i went up there and i didn't know what gear to run in it i remember asking i think i asked ken astry what gear i ought to run in that thing at wheatland and he said, I'd probably throw a 690 in there. And I just like, holy crap. <laughs> because they weren't powerhouse car motors, I mean, but they had all the suspension and everything, you know. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll put one in there. And because this is the only time I ever ran that car. I only run it once. And so I, I put that gear in there and I got everybody piled up and lined up and had two sets of guys and had all three cars sitting right there together and because i didn't i didn't hot lap any of them because i didn't want to tear anything up and i had enough tires set out just to run the heats and the features and we went out and i knew the factory stock was going to be pretty good because it it was just kind of one of those cars that drove itself and i think that was probably probably you know i'd already been running some late model stuff and stuff like that so you know it i was overdriving that car so much you know it was more of a probably me just i'm not saying out driving but i was racing against guys that were starting so you know i could drive her in there three car lengths deeper and just put her on the floor and just manhandle and it was easy for me but the late model i was nervous about and the mod I was nervous about, because I think Jesse, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's back when me and Jesse were throwing elbows at each other up there, uh, if I'm not mistaken. There, there, were some, there were some good mod racers there, Maggard, and there was a lot, of, a lot of people just bouncing in and out. I think Terry Beckham was coming in and out of there maybe at that time, and I don't remember who all, but it, it wasn't easy by all means, so it it was it was a stressful night, but I remember winning the heats. Didn't have any problems going through tech or anything. I just had to hurry up and get another car to run the feature. But now in the feature, I remember going in there and the factory stock got it done and got it out. And then we run a late model, and then 
there was a bunch of people in there mad because I, I won with that late model because it was a show me car. And I think Matt Menzies was running a late model at that time because I remember Bob being in there, uh, Matt's dad. And and he was, he was, I don't remember what he was aggravated about, but when I come in after I'd won the mod feature, I was pretty excited and they still had the late model over there at Tech. And one of my guys was getting pretty pumped up and I, they were wanting to check a carburetor or something on them. I think they had to have, that'd be a certain carburetor to be legal. And it was, it was the, it was the exact carburetor that was supposed to be on there. But I think there was a couple guys and I, I don't know why I remember Bob getting so aggravated at that time, but it, it one of my guys was like, I thought something was getting ready to go down. There's getting ready to be a big fight in there, you know, and they were like, you just go on back to the trailer and, that they were demanding that car get tore down and checked and have the carburetor pulled. And it was nothing like it is today. I mean, they, you know, it was, they didn't, it was back in the day, you know, of tape measure, kind of walk around, do a visual check and you were good back Mm -hmm. then. It wasn't like today when you don't know if they're going to bring out computer software and check your deck height or, I mean, you know, in today's era, you know, I, I, it's a, I was thinking about this before we actually talked about how they tech cars and stuff. And I have all the respect in the world for tech guys. I just, sometimes I think where a lot of our frustration as drivers have come into play today versus back then, because yeah. we've always had rules to race, right? Mm-hmm. Always had rules, but I think what's really made it complicated is the way, and I'm not talking about just like where we race. I'm talking about all over the country to national level. It's the approach that tech officials take on how to check your car or ask you to check something and, and to look at it. Mm -hmm. It's it's there's, there's a lot of power tripping going on instead of, you know, we want to check your, check your box it's like we're almost like they're presuming us guilty before they even check it yeah and and i don't like that because i feel like we're under so much pressure as it is as drivers we're trying to do everything we can and we are in the gray i mean if it's 39 inches on the deck height and they give us a half inch 39 and a half we're going to go 39 and a half Mm -hmm. and and that's what we do if they don't want to put that tolerance in there then they need to make it 39 but we're going to be a little bit over that once in a while and I'm okay with that, but I'm, I'm not okay with them with that, with them deliberately attacking me on that and making me out to be a bad person over it. Like it's, you know, go get that fixed. You know, like I told you, get that fixed. And I'm not saying let, let everybody go, but just, I think it just needs to be a little bit more, respect both ways and just say hey come on guys because i've seen a lot i watched a lot of stuff these last couple years from drivers and car owners fighting with you with these officials and i think that makes our sport look bad because it's like who's the biggest who's smarter than who and we really need to be working together and get back to having fun instead of not having fun at some of these racetracks because we feel like we're going to get sabotaged and set up. Yeah. There's a couple of places that I go that like, that's uh that's the first thought 
when the race is over, it's like, oh boy, here it comes. And then you're yeah. going to try to like witch hunt something out. And that's just, they're so firm from the start that they may even make you question what color your car is because that's just the look they're giving you from the start. Yeah. And you got to defend yourself the entire time you're standing there, even though you know it's right, but it's their interpretation versus yours. That's right. And, but the same can be said for drivers as well, though, too, is because sometimes it gets turned around the other way where there's a lot of politics and with the driver's side of things that get some stuff That's that right. should be wrong switched around. It, there's no middle ground on that stuff anymore because there's too many people on the phone on either direction, but. That's right. And that's, and that's, that's what's another, another point you brought up that's really good is these track officials, these tracks need to take care of these tracks. I don't think that they need to be, these drivers need to be persuading these track officials to call somebody higher up to mm -hmm. overrule it or ask. I mean, it's, it's, if they want to do the rules, it, it needs to be black and white. Right. And, and sometimes some of these guys are calling and saying, we'll, we'll call this guy. I'm not going to name names, but you know, call this guy and he'll tell you that this is right and this is wrong when it could be right or wrong, but it's up to the track to say if it's right or wrong. It's not up to them to say, well, phone a friend yeah. and ask him because we've already talked to him and he said we could run it. And, and a lot well, of that, times people don't have that benefit. So that's, that's, that's and that's, you know. that's right. And that's where it takes it to the next level, especially in classes that have a lot of rules like B mods, factory stocks, you know, and, but once you get up into A mods and late models, there's, their, their rules are a little bit more open, but when you come down to like, when we're running B mods and stuff like that, the rules are tighter, I call it. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes it harder and it, and it gives a lot more, it makes it easier to zigzag a little bit because I, I mean, we're, everybody's going to push the limit a little bit and and there's a lot of rules that were kind of not wrote exactly cor correctly or, or right or or maybe even looked into too much cuz didn't know it'd be that much of a benefit and it's it's been addressed and being addressed as we go along but at the same time as a driver we're always looking at the rule going well, okay if they want to say we can only have a 16 inch rod well, what if I make my hinds longer? You know, we just, yeah. we try to figure out how to achieve that goal the same that we were, but abide by their rules. Yeah, some things just haven't been exploited. And every year, we, it's every year, some new benchmark topic that gets brought up every single year. So, every year, something new gets exploited, and the racers get frustrated when guys doing it. It comes to a boiling point, then it's either yes or no. And then it's the next topic after that. It's just what's what's new to be exploited. Yep. Because, I mean, how many times have you probably talked about or seen anybody talk about traction control in the last five years? Yeah, that's pretty well dead and gone. And for a while, that was the number one thing to talk about. Yeah. I mean, if I was really racing hard and going 100 mile an hour racing and had, you know, had my pockets full of money this would be the time to be around i'd call shannon davis up tomorrow and say send me the best thing you got yeah well i mean to add to that you i mean you can scroll through facebook now and i see at least one a month it's like fifty five hundred dollars here's the latest yeah davis technologies deal like okay so i don't really know this guy 
but here it is. How many people still have this and still doing it? But that's right. Nobody gives a shit about it right now. Nobody cares about that right now. That's that ain't where it's at. And and it's you know like a couple. Well, I don't know. It's been a few years ago that tires were the big topic. Probably when I got busted for tires at Wheatland, that's when that was the thing. We're checking everybody's tires. We're going samples. I didn't see very many samples sent off this year. We were off onto another, like you said, we we're off on another subject now. Yeah. And we're checking frames and seeing how, you know, measurements and, and, you know, carburetors and, you know, seeing how maybe on the B mods, we're trying to see how we're getting horsepower or where their carburetors at or whatever, and not really checking tires. But back then they were checking late model tires too. And because I can remember that's when they got busted, all those guys in Eldora. Mm -hmm. And then I got busted the, the next week after that. Yeah, that because, was a hot, hot, hot topic at the time. Because yeah. really, Johnny Bone was like the first one. Like Johnny the first was the first one. Big yep. news around here. And it was yep. all speculation leading up to that. And Johnny Bone was like front page news. And front page news. You got in trouble yeah. because around the, when the time you got in trouble, it was all, it was a lot of talk that it was going on at the Phillips camp. And I felt like you took it on the chin yep. from that because there was Jeremy Payne got in trouble yep. at Lamont over some stuff. Yep. Kind of the next day after Lamont, the Jeremy Payne stuff was, they showed up at Monette and I don't know what happened, but he ended up unloading late in racing. So it all kind of got brushed under, but you took that one on the chin for a lot of people. Cause a lot of people, you were a and big that's... enough name. And while you got in trouble, simultaneously you getting in trouble, Johnny Finnewall got in trouble. But you took the brunt of that. I and took it all. There was a lot, a lot of fuss over that, and that was probably a, a good year and a half worth of we're going to look at tires yep. from here on out kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, and that that aggravated me a lot because because as a racer. I know what's going on back in the pits. Not everybody's, but we all kind of, you know, have our uh, our loyalties and keep our stuff to ourselves as racers. If we're getting beat by something and we know what somebody else is doing, that doesn't mean we're going to go rat on them. We're just going to go join them or try to outdo them. Mm -hmm. And that that's kind of what I felt like happened there. And I really felt like there was a a certain person there at the racetrack that where I got busted that was managing it at the time really made me out to be a really bad person and made sure that it made the USRA national news. And, and I'm sitting there going, I know guys that have gotten in trouble for this and they're racing the next night mm -hmm. and you guys are wanting to kick. I mean, they wanted to kick me out for 90 days and make it a $5,000 fine right off the bat. And I'm just like, you know, the rule book's like two weeks and twelve hundred dollar fine your first offense for USRA and Todd did that's what Todd's like I you know but also know the track trumped the rules and I, I, I'm fine with that I mean whatever you want to do is what you what you have to do but I mean let's let's I didn't I didn't realize that we needed to make it such a big spectacle and make sure we had big press releases about it when all the late model guys just got in trouble for it at Eldora, but yet they still, they still raced and they paid their fines and went on. <laughs> yeah. But when I did it, it was like, you're out of here. Like what? What? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you've gotten well, big trouble over it. And like I said, 
Finnewall was right there along with it, and I didn't know yeah. about that for a long time. And, yep, and I didn't say a word about it. I yep. didn't say, and he got in trouble this year for it. He, and nobody and knew about that. Nobody that knew about huge, it. That was insanely quiet. If you weren't and, in the middle of racing at Wheeling every week, you would have you would have known. Nope. So, it, which is and they, unbelievable. And, and that was a there was a there was a lot of talk about that because I asked about that because second offense you're supposed to be done, mm-hmm. and. That's, you know, kind of why, and, and I'm, I was kind of the first one to speak up a little bit and I, I went and talked to, to Danny over here at the track about it and said, you know, I feel like kicking somebody out for life on their second offense is a little bit extensive. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care if it's Johnny Fenwall or, you know, Ryan Gilmore or, or some slug in the back. Like, does he need to be fined? and penalized or at least DQ'd, yes, and fine. That's fine. But I don't know that we need to be kicking people out for life. Yeah. And he, he kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, yeah, I don't, I think I I don't, I don't like that either. And I'm like, you know, he comes here every week and spends a lot of money. And so do these other guys all over the country. And no, I don't know if anybody get kicked out for life. Like if you want to keep finding him and keep doubling it. And if he wants to pay it and keep doing it, He'll just take his money and just keep DQing him. I mean, eventually it'll come to a point where his fine's so big he's gonna be like, "The hell with it! I'm, I'm either gonna either quit cheating." Come, yeah, it won't come back. Yeah, and that's fine. And I think that, and and I was glad Danny took that by the by the reins a little bit on that specific scenario and said, "You know, we're gonna kick him out for X amount of days or not let him race and and whatever the fine was." I didn't ask a whole lot, but. That deal kept, got kept really quiet for a long time, and and once a few people found out, it, it took a few people to talk, start talking about it because I was getting a little nervous that that wasn't going to get talked about at all. Right. Yeah, I think there's a line there. Like, some stuff needs to be brought to light, but some stuff doesn't because I, I really don't know how you're supposed to look at that stuff because it, it seems like if the racetrack's going to, prompt that on facebook it seems like what they're trying to do is pat themselves on the back for taking care of it nipping it yeah but at the same time you're almost slandering that person to a point where everywhere they go they're going to get looked at funny and that's right i think after like you're saying after so many times for sure but it it depends on the severity of the problem too i guess if a dude's going to get through out over something that's against the rules but not like huge red flag you don't need yeah. to say much, but the tire stuff, I think if you do get in trouble, people are going to notice that you're gone, and that's okay. But I think that if you do pass that stuff, that's when it should be prompted that like, out that's loud. Right. Like the, the racetrack should say, hey, our dudes are fast, and they're legal, and we did our job. So That's right. There's a, there's a fine line to toe on that, but if a guy gets in trouble for a second time over tires or hog ass motor or whatever, like yeah, you can. It, I don't know that I don't know that it needs to be a full blown article, but it needs to be noted at the end of the results or something. That way, somebody knows what's going on, so there's not any of this like right conspiracy Guessing. theory stuff. Yeah, like so, there was I'm, a couple of couple of races over here this year where where some people got DQ'd and still got points. Yeah, and I'm like, how do you, how do you get DQ'd and get points? Like, and, I, and it, it doesn't matter who it is. 
but you if you get DQ'd, you don't get points. And I mean, just like those kind of things, like we're, that's where this fine line is. And it was like, it was just not talked about and we're just going to roll on. And, and then I'm getting in trouble for not having the right sticker on my car. Right. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what, what about, you know, but it was like, you want to, you want to argue with me? You want to argue? No, I don't want to argue. No, not at all. (laughs) I want to be, I'm trying to do everything I can to, to be fair here and make my car right. That's why I come through pre-tech. But when there's these unknown things and we're not going to talk about them, that's what makes us racers get frustrated a little bit. And that's kind of why we get a little agitated and why I think our sport is the way it is now. We're all kind of, we try to be civil and and friends with each other, but at the same time, we're all watching our backs. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think we're friends. I think we, I think I can talk to this guy, but then I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, it's, that's kind of where we're all at. I mean, that's, and then, and then not all the tech deal, you know, people calling other people and other tech officials. And what do you think we should, I mean, when you start doing that, like it's, I mean, it's chaos. It's complete chaos. Like I felt like that whenever, you know, I drove Scotty's car over there. I think it was last year when we pumped his motor and it was 9.8 or something like that. And it could be nine, seven and they checked it and checked it. And, you know, I know one of the main officials was like, you know, as long as it's under 10, normally he'd let it go. But in the rule book, I think it said nine, seven and needed to be nine, five or something. But it, it was just like, they were just bound determined cause that was a Ford motor and I think I'd won my heat race maybe that night before or something like that. But I, I just, it was, just, it was like, that was the topic of discussion and that's what we were going to focus on right there. And I, we loaded up, we just, I mean, we didn't fight it, but I mean, we were almost a hundred percent sure we were good, but I didn't start the car up that day. And there's all kinds of variables of how you could make that, move a couple of tents either way yeah i fought that battle this year you're standing right there uh late yeah in the year. yeah I, I got i got a lot a lot a lot of stuff over that so yeah I, well i, I, I mean you. if they don't understand the full process of pumping it where you take the cylinder temperature and you you have to blow it out before you stick that in there before you pump it you're gonna get a false reading so that i mean that goes back to what you're saying about tech officials earlier everybody's got to be on the same playing ground where they know what they're doing and know what they're checking. Otherwise you're going to get something false and you're going to throw somebody out for no reason. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about tents, you know, somebody could have started their car an hour and a half before that. And, and those cylinder heads could still be warm and it's not going to read the same as mine. Cause I'm sitting over there. I went down and washed it and never even started it. And it's sitting there ice cold. Well, mm-hmm. that might might have just been the difference, just mm-hmm. that tenth, and you know, and when they look at me and kind of go, "Well, it is what it is," and I'm like, "I mean, are you, are you serious? Like you're gonna make me load this thing up?" Like, and I'm not saying that I they should just let me because, but that's one of those variable deals where they should say, "Guys, you know, you know, we're we're getting close to getting out of hand here on this compression stuff," but. You know, we're going to we're going to check all these cars after the race or something. I mean, 
maybe we should check them after they're hot or something instead of because too many things can happen before on a pre-tech that was a pre-tech dq almost like what's everybody's come in after the races yeah i I don't know the answer to it i mean it's kind of like running your valves i watched billy moyer run his valves more after feature races than i have anybody probably i haven't seen very many people do that and i walked up to him one time and i asked him i'd always kind of park by him when i could and he says well this is when i want my valves to be exactly right when my motor's hot and after it's been ran not when it's cold and i was like i never thought about it like that yeah and i and you can do it either way i understand that but that's just the way he done it and you know how many failures did billy moyer have in his career with motors not very many right i mean you can't argue with a guy like but that was just his way of doing it and it's just kind of everybody's got their way of doing things and like i said i don't want to get in no pissing matches with tech guys and i, I want i just want to know what i can and can't do and and i want everybody to be doing the same thing because as a racer i feel like i can race with anyone as long as we're on an equal playing field yep well switch you, gears you, just a little bit here let's go we talk that the the motor stuff and the tech stuff can i think we can rattle on about that for a long long time because there's so many different damn things sure got a good story about you okay so when we said we we're going to be doing this got a little bit of a word that when the pond got dug in the infield at urbana so there was a little bit of talk about a black duck you know, know anything about that a black duck a black duck we heard that you may have clipped a black duck going off into one and two at the high banks gosh that'd been a long time ago <laughs> scotty <laughs> scotty was we're telling him on saturday that we were gonna catch yeah. up with you and he said at the time you weren't you didn't think that was near as funny as the rest of them no i didn't <laughs> and i'd actually forgot about that whole thing <laughs> yeah. so you just brought it up <laughs> so you, but, they dug that pond he said there were some ducks living in the infield and the pond and it was during a heat race that one ran on the racetrack and you clipped it and and may have done a little murder yeah yeah i think i smoked him i mean <laughs> it was and and i don't even know if it was a reaction of i mean i knew them ducks were in there but i i didn't really think that you know one would come out on the track while we were racing mm-hmm. i mean maybe he'd been drinking a little kool-aid or something in there and was just kind of wandering around but i do kind of remember that uh having a little bit of altercation with with a duck <laughs> and i don't think the duck survived <laughs> yeah he said that the fireman had to kind of sneak him out of the line of sight but yeah the, we he said that the next week that they had a sticker made for you and put a donald duck sticker yeah a daffy I duck think sticker they, in the roof of your car i think they put a daffy duck sticker on there now that i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm remembering that because I was pretty green to racing back then. That was, them guys had a lot of fun with me. And <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> I, I kind of just had to take it because they all raced, been racing forever, you know, and I was learning and, you know, I, that was the era of back when I mounted my first beadlock. I'll tell you how stupid I was. I mounted my first beadlock to the wheel and never took the beadlock ring off of it and rolled it off at Urbana. <laughs> Jesus. And they said, what, 
what happened, Eric? You know, it's, man, I was, I was going, I was coming, I was rolling out there in my heat race and right rear come off, blow, blow to right rear. And I think it was Rex and Scotty were like, you, you rolled the right rear off at, at Urbana. Like this place is smooth and slick and, you know, there ain't a rut one in it. And they're like, how'd you roll the right rear off at, at Urbana? Like, and I think I, I think I remember taking that over there to him because it didn't even hurt the tire, you know? <laughs> and I, I don't remember if it was Rex and Scotty together, looked at each other and kind of was like, did he, did he mount that on the ring itself and didn't pinch the tire? Because <laughs> we unbolted it and put it back on there and I saw what they'd done and I didn't know how to do that. I, w I was that oblivious to mounting a B-lock. <laughs> and Rex was like, are you a dumbass? Or did you, or, or did you mean to do that? Or did, you for did somebody else do that? Please tell me you didn't do that. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really know. And I just kind of left it like that. And I never, really never really talked much about it after that, honestly, because <laughs> I was really embarrassed, of course. But... That's how I mounted that sucker. I mean, I remember mounting that tire because I had, I had reverse stagger because, I mean, they were just like, how in the heck are you driving these, these cars? Like, you ain't even check, you don't even know what stagger is. And that was kind of when I was starting to pick up some speed, you know, and they, they would put me on goofy shocks, you know, and stuff, tie downs on the left rear, you know, just opposite stuff of what we do today you know but but yeah that was they picked on me quite a bit back back in them days with stuff like that and yeah i forgot about the old duck that was that was interesting yeah scotty was saying that he weren't he wasn't quite sure if you were going to be willing to talk about that one he said that it upset it made you it upset you that you got it but it really it made you mad the next week whenever they put that sticker in the roof of the car so. yeah because i felt bad i mean i i mean i do care i have feelings <laughs> yeah and a lot of people but, seen it go down too so it doesn't help yeah i couldn't hide it so i just kind of had to just kind of had to take it like a man and 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 roll on but yeah that that's uh, yeah, we can move on to something else. <laughs> well, Trevor, Trevor's got a couple yeah. <laughs> that he was so, asking about, too. Dad, I talked to Dad before on the way home tonight, and he wanted me to ask. He says he thinks it was like PRI down in Daytona or whatever when you were with Mike and Gary and him, and you guys were downtown, and you got your hand stuck in the door of the minivan. Oh my and gosh! What elaborate on that one a little bit for us? I don't. That's a long time ago. My <laughs> gosh, that was at, that was at Speed Weeks. Uh huh. Is where that was, and Gary went down there and raced. And I don't remember if your dad if your dad was right. Your dad was there. I don't remember if he's racing or if he was helping us. But I, I, we were at Volusia, and we went over to Daytona to the track. And I think Mike had rented a minivan and all of us got in there <laughs> and somehow, some way, I think it was in the beginning when Mike, Mike collected die cast cars. Like mm -hmm. he was, I mean, he was infatuated with them. I couldn't even tell you how many the man had, like he loved them. 
and he was bound and determined to go get some of those and we all were i think we were in the infield maybe just it wasn't like during the daytona 500 it was kind of before speed weeks after speed weeks ended and before the 500 and all that stuff but we had all got out and i don't know why but we got out and i don't even remember who shut the door but i i hadn't i still had my hand in the door in the door with my fingers where the door shuts and they shut my fingers in the door i don't know if it was ever on purpose or not because <laughs> it it if it, it, it hurt so bad and i remember opening the door back up and mike just kind of sitting there puffing on a cigarette looking at me kind of it's hard to get mike to laugh or giggle a little bit and he he kind of he just kind of started giggling a little bit and he he really got he got as big a kick out of that as anybody did and <laughs> and, and that was kind of neat to get mike to laugh or show a sense of humor uh, knowing but, uh, Mike, he was probably driving, and I'm surprised he didn't try to take off with you still stuck in there. I I am too because <laughs> he was he just happened to be in one of those good moods, and it was just kind of like, are you guys just do you guys even care that I think all four of my fingers are broke? Or like, <laughs> they just kind of all looked at me like, now what are you gonna do? And I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm. I'm out here running around with these cats, you know, that are out of my league. That, that was back. That was back in the early days, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And that was a that was a that was a fun time down there during that Speed Weeks deal. And that was, I think, Gary was on real real racing wheels back when we all started the real deal and the real real deal. And I remember mounting and dismounting tires all the time. And those real wheels were hell to mount on them Hoosiers. And some of those guys had tire machines down there because I think you could run three compounds. And that's all I seemed like. All I did was mount and dismount tires. And I hated it because it was so hard. And, you know, everybody else was kind of prepared a little bit as far as doing it during the day and they're just like eric you go mount these tires which had they known how i mounted my first beadlock i would say <laughs> they probably wouldn't allowed me to touch a tire <laughs> but that was uh yeah that was good trip there that was that was when it was all fun and everybody helped everybody and it was that was good time right there trevor did you have anything else oh I don't know if Eric wants this brought up, but the first memory I have of you was at West Plains. At, I think it was the Show Me or the Stanville. I was, God, I was little. We were standing out there, and somebody had uh, de-pantsed you in the middle of the whole crowd. And the next day, I think you were trying to hit on the uh, the announcer lady back in the day, and she politely declined after your show the night before. <laughs> hey. yeah. well, i don't i don't remember that yeah. <laughs> you may have me mistaken with my brother or something <laughs> there was some of that stuff that i, I might have been around but i don't remember something like that yeah you weren't functioning around at that time no i, was, <laughs> I don't know if that was me or not 
<laughs> get off on <laughs> embarrassing stories now, but <laughs> that was the only couple of ones we had. Scotty was was real proud of the duck story. He couldn't wait for that one to come on. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing that I really had on that end. But you yeah. talked, uh, you guys spent a week or two weeks at Bloomquist shop whenever you were working with Terry. And you yeah. You had a lot of stuff. To, everybody loves Bloomquist stories, whether you love him or that, hate him. The dude is so unique, and you've got some personal stuff now. He is, uh, and, and and that was a really really special deal to me to be able to do that, and and I'll go through it pretty quick. But it, uh, I remember when Terry bought the got the cars, and they went down there and discussed it. Him and Don and uh, Don Bab, and um, I don't remember if Andy went, but they did their deal, you know. And he come back and I think told me in buckshot and i think it was just me and buckshot and terry that went down there and i don't remember if justin was still working there or not if bolt was still there i don't remember him being there i think it was just us three and he said we're going to go down there because it was december and we were going to go straight from there to arizona to race so we had we he, he said load up the motors two motors and the dry sump system because whatever deal they had made terry got to got to use his motors and he said we got to put these motors in these cars and we're gonna get them ready and we're gonna bring them right back here put them on the scale or put them in the shop put the wrap on them and we're going straight to tucson and i'm like man that's gonna be great so we we all jump in the truck and I think TP was even kind of excited too because we got there late. We drove all night and got there. I think we got there around three thirty in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and we were tired. And we just drove all the way there, and we pulled in there. And I get out of the truck, and Terry gets out of the truck, and I kind of looked around and said, "There ain't nobody here, dude." And I was looking up around the building and I seen these cameras and I'm like, well, I guess somebody probably knows we're here. Cause I think we're on camera right now. And it was kind of intimidating because just like you said, you know, to pull into Scott's place, like, or, or is it like pulling into, you know, El Chapo's place or what? Like <laughs> is, is the cartel coming out? Yeah. And we kind of got out and I walked over and, he said, go see if the door's unlocked and see if, cause I thought I could see a little light under the door and we heard something in the shop and I just opened the door and him and Tommy were in there. That was his crew guy back then. And, um, we just walked in the door and here comes Scott walking around the corner, just wide open, like, just like it was three o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, what's up, guys? And we're like, oh, man, we just kind of want to know where to park. Sorry, we got in here late. Where do you, you know, we don't want to disrupt anything. You know, we'll be trying to get some sleep, be ready to go in the morning. He's like, what? And I'm like, you know, TP's like, you just, we just need to know where to put the rig so it's not in your way. And then we'll get everything, you know, whatever you want us to do tomorrow, we'll, we're ready to work. He's like, well, did you bring the motors? And Terry's like, yeah, we, I brought everything 
we agreed. Everything's in the trailer. We're we're just sorry we pulled in here, you know, at 3.30 in the morning. He's like, get them son of a bitches out. <laughs> and we're like, I looked at Buckshot, and he looked at TP. And, I mean, we had to look completely stunned because he's like, get them out. And because we were, like, ready to go to bed, like, because we knew it was going to be a week of hell. Well, we didn't think we were going to be there a week, to, to be honest. We thought we were going to put motors in cars that were ready. We walk around the corner. These cars were cages and frames with cockpits in them. And I'm like, what the hell did we sign up for here? Like, I thought we were going to put motors and dry sumps in these things and put and scale them and leave. <laughs> we had to build all these cars complete. Like, one of them didn't even have a rear end in it. And TP was a little bit even kind of like, we got a lot of work to do here. <laughs> and so Scott's like, get them effing motors out. Let's, let's take a look at them, see what you got. So we got them out. And he's like, you got the, you got the dry sump tanks. And I was like, yeah. And TP kind of walked off and was over there doing something and scott asked me goes when's the last time you checked that uh, dry sump can and i'm like shit i don't know like we just move it from one car to the up to the next you know i mean we we checked i mean it's fine he goes have you ever taken it apart i'm like why would i take it apart he goes do you know how much shit's in the bottom of them things i mean you've blowed a motor up i'm like well yeah but we cleaned it all out cleaned the lines out he said, take that son of a bitch apart. And I'm like, now it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, we're going to tear this dry sump deal apart right now. Like, and we did. And I mean, it was filthy, dirty, you know, in the bottom of it. And he said, you see why you got to clean those now? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. And so we kind of got all that kind of tidied up. And it was about five or something. And He's like, well, we'll just get started in the morning, you know, we'll finishing up this stuff and we'll start putting some stuff together. And everybody was just kind of looking at each other. And he walks right over to me and Buckshot. He knew Terry, you know, they've known each other off and on probably from the years back in the day, you know, but me and Buckshot were kind of, you know, he, we didn't know him. I mean, we just see him at the races, but he goes, I'll never forget this my whole life. He looked right at me and Buckshot and said i don't think i'll probably remember your guys's name <laughs> and i mean he had had a little bit of kool-aid that night <laughs> and i was like probably not and i said but i'm eric you know and this buckshot and blah blah i said that, that's cool but he goes but from now on just so i can remember you're dude one and you're dude two <laughs> So if I say, hey, dude, then I'm talking to you. And I'm like, and he's serious. I'm like, this is not a joke. This is this is his way of dealing with the rest of the week, you know. And so we left, went back, went to bed, and we all kind of got in the trailer. I was like, did you see all them motors? Did you see all those cars? You know, like, yeah, yeah. We get up next day and start working on these cars, and nothing's really happening because we don't know what we're supposed to do and Scott's cars are all sitting over there and Terry's cars are sitting there and 
he's like, are you guys going to put these things together or what? And I'm like, yeah, but I don't even know what length rods to build. And I don't know where to put the fifth arm. I don't, I don't, I mean, we don't know anything about your cars, dude. And he, he'd kind of tell us, you know, this measurement and this measurement. And he had this little office inside of his shop and, and there's a TV in there. And it was kind of like a break room. And he'd go in there and hang out sometimes. And he didn't have to go in there and drink Kool-Aid because it didn't matter what tabletop. There was a gallon of Crown Royal in, on every table in, in the whole shop. <laughs> and he'd hit that sucker and just like three bubbles, you know. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm out of it. Out of a out of a gallon, if that thing gurgles three times, that's that's I don't know how many shots that is. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a hard hit. And and he could do that from three o'clock in the afternoon till five o'clock in the morning the whole time we were there. Okay. Just all all throughout the night and still function and the man's Einstein. And I'll never forget when we were getting kind of progressed on a day or two there and I thought I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I'm on a creeper. I'm just going to slide. I told Buckshot, so I'm going to slide over here under his car and I'm just going to start measuring shit and just start building it and putting it on TP's car because they're supposed to be the same. So why, why not? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And I remember this, he had a dog named Buster and he'd just kind of run around. He'd fart and it, it would stink so bad. <laughs> but that dog was his world. I mean, like that dog, he used to carry him around on his four wheel in our pits. And we, we'd gotten to know this dog pretty good. And he liked that we were good to his dog and stuff, you know. And it was really nice because Scott, it was really cool in the shop. Like he'd talk like we're talking right now, you know, but you wouldn't see that at the racetrack. And kind of like TP, you know, I mean, they're game on, on to what they're doing and they ain't thinking about nothing but winning. But in the shop, we started having some fun, but anyways, I slid over there into that creeper and I'll never forget it. I know it was like midnight. I I'll never forget. I got a tape measure under his personal car and I'm under there just, and I'm looking hard under this car. Cause I'm like, I'm going to find out what Scott Bloomquist's been doing for years. <laughs> and he, nobody's even going to know it. I'm not going to tell anybody cause it'll probably kill me. And I, I'm, but I'm going to see, I'm, I'm looking at other things as I'm trying to measure these four length bars going, where is this piece of metal or where's this special thing that he's won all these globes and races? Like, I'm going to see it. Like I'm somewhere where nobody else has ever been. And all of a sudden I heard something. I, I thought I heard something and I'm still measuring, but I'm, it takes me a long time to measure these two bars. Cause I mean, I'm like a flash drive under there going <laughs> with my eyes and somebody grabs my feet and pulls me out. And it's Scott. He just is looking at me and I mean, I'm sitting there with tape measure, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 50 feet away from TP's car on a creeper underneath <laughs> his car. Well, he, he had he, those cameras. He's got cameras in the shop. But he had cameras in that, in that little office that he was in there drinking his Kool-Aid. And he, he knew I was under there, but he come out there and he, he pulled me out from underneath that car. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, nobody's telling me what to put these bars. And like, I just figured I'd come over here and measure your four link bars so I could put TPs on these bird cages and, you know, like. 
we got to get this shit done, dude. Like you guys are drinking and partying and having a good time, but we, we need work. We need like a, a schedule here of what we need to get done. Cause I felt like I was useless just sitting around, but it was no big deal to him because it was so easy because he knew every measurement and, but I'm like, you're going to have to focus with us here a little bit and help us and tell us what you want. He's like, okay. And then he started building a hood and doing all this stuff. And then he started telling us this and where to put that. And Tommy got in there and we, we started working on the cars and, and, and then he, and then he didn't mind me rolling under his car, checking a few things out, you know? And he's like, there ain't, there's nothing on there right now you need to worry about. And I was like, yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'd, I'd love to see this sucker before you rolled in the old holler. And he said, you probably ain't going to see that. And I'm like, oh, I understand, you know, we just kind of, kind of shooting the bull. And it was getting late one night and I saw him over there, turn this big screen TV on. I was like, is he going to like play a movie? I mean, it was time to go to bed. It was late, 4.30, and he turns on this Wii, and he's over there playing shuffleboard on the Wii. <laughs> he's like, you ever play shuffleboard? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I played. And he said, you want to play? And I was like, yeah, I'll play you. And I'm like, is he really playing the shuffleboard? Like, you know, he, he'd had a few cocktails by, by 5 in the morning, you know, and I was like, so we started playing this game, and TP's looking at me like, "What the hell are you doing over there playing Nintendo? You need to, get, you know, he's he's they're both as stubborn as the other. Like, you need to get your ass over here and put my car together." And Scott's wanting to play shuffleboard, and you know, Buckshot's like, "Oh, I'll play," you know. And so it turned into you know just like us normal kids just <laughs> playing playing shuffleboard, and he starts trash talking me like you play like your mom. And I was just like, did he really just say that to me? <laughs> like, and then he just, it was just like a, a, like we were on the basketball court playing against each other. And it was a blast. I mean, it was an absolute blast and we did it the next night too. And I was like, you know, you ready, you know, you ready to get your ass kicked, you know, tonight, you know, and it was just game on, you know, but it was, um, definitely an interesting trip. And when, when it come down to the last day, it, it really come together quick because it's like he just turned the wick and just really put it all this focus into the cars and and we we just finished them up and 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 it was a it was a very unique thing when we put the shocks and springs on the car and I was ex the most exciting thing I was looking forward to was scale in the cars as a race car driver you're just curious about how everybody scales differently and, and their numbers are, are different. And probably to those guys that every car is probably a little different in what that car wants or needs. But I was just curious where, where we were going to put this car at to go race because I was learning about, you know, bite and all that stuff. And just, it was going to be interesting to see what Bloomquist does like, Cause we were going straight to Arizona and he wanted, wanted us to go run good, you know, and we got car pulled it up on this pad and it wasn't no service, but it was just his squares in this floor where he had marked where he did his cars and he had a two inch level 
bubble level. And I'm like, are we going like, where are your scales at, dude? And do you got, do you use grain scales or do you use digital scales? I assume you use grain scales because that's what all the old timers use. I mean, Moyer even uses grain scales, you know, like, I guess they just feel like they're more accurate or whatever. And, you know, that's what I mean, like, just like that. Everybody's different, but he walks out with a damn two inch bubble level. And I'm like, what the hell are you going to do with that? I mean, we were all kind of like, wait a second here. And he'd already had the spring set up on the shocks. I mean, it was, it was ready to go. Like, it was ready to race other than scaling. And he put that bubble on there on a couple bars. And I won't say which one, but he had these two bars on the length of the car and side to side. And that's how he set that car up. And I thought, okay. And I'm really, really, really confused. Like, really confused. Because I'm like, this is this is too easy. Like, there's no way. And we got done. And it literally took him at less than 10 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know about this shit, TP. Like. And we loaded those cars up and went home and he told, he told us what the numbers were. He wrote it down and, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, TP, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on or, but he's like, I know. And I'm like, you know, we got to unload this some bitch when we get to the shop, and put it on scales, like just to see. Because it was a, there's no way that he just done this with a two inch level. And we drove all the way back and kind of talked about it, you know, and just, you know, in theory, it makes sense. And, and, and TP understood exactly what he was doing. Don't get me wrong. You know, as far as the rake and the car and all that stuff, it, it wasn't that it was just the numbers and all that stuff. As far as the accuracy. I mean, TP could walk around a car, you know, and he could tell me if my caster and camber was right or wrong just by looking down at the ball joints. I mean, mm -hmm. those guys are Einsteins. But we still were just questioning the, you know, what that bar was bent or something when it was well welded in the car or something, you know. And we did. We put that sucker on the scales, and that thing was within three pounds of the bite that he said it would have. That's nuts. And Jesus. And... I mean, you can't make that kind of stuff up and I don't care who you are. Like that's, that's just something that only those kind of guys just know because there's no, nothing went on that car. That was, there was no, no room for error all the way down to, I asked him if when we were putting the hubs together, like I need some Loctite, you know, to put the brake rotors on. And he's like, we don't, I don't, I don't use Loctite on anything. And I'm like, well, how do you hold this thing together? I mean, I'm not saying that Loctite's going to hold together. If you're building your cars, you know if it's tight or not. And you trust your guys, but surely you put a dab of here or there on certain things, a steering or I don't know, something. He said, I don't believe in Loctite. I said, well, what do you believe in? Because I'm confused. What do we, I mean, Buckshot's like, Shit, I was getting ready to just start dousing everything with Loctite so we could make sure that it never broke. So we, when we got back, we could put it 
we could measure it and know. He goes, I believe in silicone. And I'm like, silicone? You want us to put this car together with silicone? He said, every nut and bolt on this car is silicone. He said, buy as much silicone as you can. And I was like, okay. I'm like, you're going to have to tell me why, because I'm, I'm really lost now. He said, well, just imagine running a 100-lap race, because that's all he thinks of is long, longevity and finishing, no matter what finish. And I was like, I, I get you. He says, if you use Loctite, Loctite breaks, and that bolt could back out in a long race and cause you not to finish or cause me not to win a race. I said, okay. He says, if I use silicone, that bolt might come loose, but the silicone will still have enough tackiness to it. It, it won't back all the way out and I'll be able to finish the race. And I was like, I never thought about that. Yeah. He goes, and his Loctite breaks, it's done. It, it's just a thread. And I'm like, man, this guy has really dug deep into, I mean, this guy really is smart. Like that's, that's incredible to know the theory behind Loctite versus silicone. Yeah. Something like, so simple can keep you out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, and that's kind of what I started doing on my stuff and just kind of, cause it wasn't like it was a speed seeker or anything. He was like, you know, you got to finish these races. I mean, you got to, we're going to tear it apart and check it before we go to any race. He goes, don't get me wrong, but you know, hundred lapper, that track gets rough or something, that Loctite breaks. There's a, there's a hundred bolts on this car that could come loose and back out. And that could cost me a lot of money. And I'm like, well, I got you. And by God, that's, that's what we did. And, and, and I'll tell you something else that's pretty cool that he touched on. I don't know if you listened to his Dale Jr. deal, but uh, that stuff that his dad built on those airplanes. Mm-hmm. He talked about that B-2 bomber that his dad built from scratch. I got to see that thing. He took us down there to to the airplane hangar, and uh, they've got a an air airstrip down there that he talked about on on that down on that podcast with with Dale. And uh, he showed us that and took us in there and showed us all those airplanes. But that 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 World War II plane that he's talking about that he's going to fly, I seen that thing and I seen the, the plans on the wall. And, and that was that was a really neat tour to see that and to see the attention that they gave that plane and that they were building and he talked about it on this on on the podcast about didn't know if he was going to have enough runway to to get it clear the trees and he showed me and when i heard that when i listened to that i was like he he's not lying because you know some people think this guy's full of shit and this makes up stories that you know and kind of out there and talks about some the alien deal you know i'm probably going to get on the round ship too i mean if that's what he says (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) i mean i mean but but to see what he was talking about and talk about that plane he didn't think he had enough runway to take off so they cleared out another a, a path but it was to the right of the strip at the beginning so he was going to have to come out of the 
and make an L to get enough speed. So he was going to start and come at a at, at a at a ninety degree angle and turn that plane at speed to to get it up to clear those trees. And I mean, he had it figured down to the to the foot of how far and how he could make that turn. And because at the end of that runway, there was a there's a row of trees, and they could get off fine with those little planes, just fine. But that that's this bomber plane, dude. I don't remember how how wide the wingspan on on it is, but it, it's it's astronomical. The day he that he wants to do that, everybody should go watch, like because he's either gonna die, take and not clear those trees, or he's gonna look like. Howard Hughes, the <laughs> airplane guy from the beginning, you know, that Leonardo plays in that movie when he wants to build this big, big, massive plane. Like, that's who he's going to be, the Howard Hughes of racing. Like, if, if this sucker clears the trees, it's going to be a miracle. If he can get but, to clear the trees and it's such a problem taking off, what do you think Landon's going to be like? That was I my know. question. I, I want to, I guess. I'd like to be there and just video the whole thing because. <laughs> I just think it's it's going to be cool seeing him take off, and God only knows if he'll land it there. Hell, he may take, he may just go. There's no telling where that guy will go. I mean, like when Dale said, "So do you got your pilot's license?" And he's like, "He didn't really want to talk about that too much." Yeah, I don't think he does, but he can fly a damn airplane like you wouldn't believe. Like when he talk about looking for fish, he t- he does do that. That's ridiculous. How you can be so far ahead of everybody in two totally different worlds in two totally different worlds like be as human as to playing we with you guys you can be so far out there but so grounded at the same time yep and not be telling a story for attention by all means just you know to, to be able to back it up you know like that's what made me go my jaw drop when he talked about that on that podcast i was just like Dude, I saw that with my own eyes. I saw some of the drag racing cars that he had in there and his dad had in there. And when I saw those planes, I was like, what the heck's going on down here? Like, there's some really cool stuff in here. And then he showed us that that plane and he said they're going to fly it one day. And, you know, that's been several years ago. And it sounds like he's near the completion of it. And I really do think it would be completely awesome for, I don't know if he would let people go you know, go down there and hang out to, to watch that or not. But I have zero doubt in my mind that the man's going to do it. I mean, I, he's not telling no, some fib story. I mean, this sucker's built to the guilt and they have, they really have a plan to get this sucker off the ground. And I think it'd be awesome to see. I, I hope somebody gets to at least video it. So yeah. that us normal people can to see if it clears or not, but yeah. If not, that's we'll, a, we'll hear about it if not <laughs> oh we'll hear about it for sure that uh that that maybe that if, if the aliens don't come to get us before that that day happens and we're not all on the round ship then <laughs> i mean I, don't don't get on the square one that's or the saucer yeah. which <laughs> i don't know but well man is there anything else you want to touch on before we shut this baby down no, I think that's pretty well it. You know, the only thing I 
that I guess the only other thing I probably w- was had on my notes here that I could think of was we touched, we talked a little bit about motors mm-hmm. and all the mo- different motor builders that I've been with. And I find it very special and unique about people's relationships with their motor builders and stuff like that. And, you know, I've been with Hatfield, Ruble, Eagle, and Cornet, Roush, Mullins. I mean, I, I, I've, I've used them all probably just because I've been lucky enough with my friends that I've drove their cars and, you know, Gertie, you know, it, it, it just really bedazzles me when people move around with motor builders of how they jump ship on some of these guys. But I think they're all really, really good at what they do. I think it just boils down to, I mean, you talked about a little bit before, but I think it just boils down to your comfortableness with your engine builder and the communication and just being honest with what you need and what you want and what you get, mm-hmm. you know, we got to, you know, I was with Hatfield forever, you know, and, and we, we ran a lot of races, won a lot of races and, and, you know, Mullins builds a great motor too. And like Eagle machine builds my motors now and Ruble built my motor a couple of years ago. And, you know, but when you come down and when I, when I went to work for Roush for a year, it was really funny to me that something that not many people know in the racing industry was how close all those motor builders are that I just named off to you are personally. Yeah. It's I've funny to know. And talk to other, tell me that he spoke with other engine builders. Like right now, the lifters and the cams is a big thing. Like he's, constantly yeah. in talks with others out in the industry whether it's other motor builders or other parts suppliers like just conversing with them yeah. trying to come up with a common solution yeah and i think that's really neat because the average racer hasn't known that for years mm-hmm. they just think that yeoman don't like ruble and ruble don't like yeoman and hatfield don't like mullins and, and cornet don't like you know clements and you know but whenever I started really getting on that side of a little bit of it, when I was working at Roush and they were all trying to get parts and stuff, it was like, well, you know, if, if we don't got it, well, Clements has got it. We can just call him up, you know, and, or Jack Cornette's got it. I will call Jack. And I was just like, you mean you guys talk? I figured you guys hated each other. Yeah. Oh no, we, we built, we built him all kinds of stuff. And then I started talking to, greg mckinney up here one day and i was i didn't know how him and ruble were or bob morton in the city you know i was like or yeoman i'm like I, you know i don't you know I, I, jim built a good motor i mean we, we got we got some expectations here boss like what you know he goes i just don't want to make you mad by telling you you know or i don't want to tell mullins that my hatfield motor made more power but i gotta be honest with you so you can try to figure out how to get me what i need to win yeah just like you and me right now in b mods like it's we're all fighting for 10 more horsepower somehow illegally mm-hmm. and they're you know he's like i'm good friends with jim jim's an old drag racer and so is bob like we we're all i don't have a problem with those guys and i'm like oh i didn't know that i yeah. thought you know, I thought maybe I was going to piss somebody off because, you know, 
I told you one day I'd like for you to build me some motors. Yeah. And here we are. And, you know, I just didn't want you to think I was jumping ship and not being loyal because when I worked at Roush, I got to work on all kinds of people's motors, you know, Jared Landers and Josh Richards and Scott Bloomquist. And they all brought their cars in there and put them on the chassis dyno. And I watched every one of them. And I've never spoke of any, any one of those test sessions in there about which carburetor. We put seven carburetors on Josh Richards' cars one day. And I never spoke to anybody about how much torque each carburetor, what it changed. But there's that loyalness to those guys. And that's why I'm still friends with those guys. Cause I didn't go around in my mouth telling them, telling other people what they did. Right. Cause I owed that to them, you know, because, and I owed it to Roush. That's, that was our job, you know, I, but even after the fact, I still don't talk about that to anybody because I don't want an engine builder to feel like I'm going to be a rat or I'm going to tell, try to figure out what Jim did on, on my B mod motor and tell Greg to just build it or take, take him one of those motors. Them guys really don't have any ambition to do that because yeah. they can, they can just call and ask if they want to know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's cool, but your average racer doesn't know that they think that every, all those engine builders hate each other and really they have an alliance kind of in the background that, if they really need something, they can call and ask and yep. get it done. It seems like there's a common threat amongst each and every one of them. So they've all got to kind of cover their tails with those yeah. common threats. And then whatever they do in the meantime to create their own power. Yeah. That's their business. And, yep. And, and you know, you see that in the racing world just a, a little bit, you know, with some racers. You know, you may see some guys that, you know, aren't real close friends, you know. Um, I told Scotty, you know, like before the, the nationals this year, I said, you know, if something happens to Ryan, to you in the, in nationals, I said, I want you to know, you can take my car if we need to, like, you know, but those are just things that, you know, you know, I mean, you don't hang out every weekend and do stuff, you know, we ain't been best friends forever. We've known each other, mm-hmm. but there's. I just told Scotty, I was just like, you know, you know, we can use my car because I'm not racing every weekend like I once was, but I do have the right stuff on my car. If we need to use it and somebody needs it and is in a position to, to do well, I'm, you know, I want you to know I'm willing to, to give it up or whatever. We need to pull the rear end out of this thing for, for that's what we'll do. Yeah. And, you know, you got to have that a little bit. And I think there's a little bit of that that goes on in, in the driver's side of it, too. It's not very big anymore because we've all gotten so isolated and doing our own thing a little bit and, you know, trying to keep – well, we're all so close. Yeah, I mean, everybody's so tight. It's hard to give away anything. Yeah, because I did. I mean, I, I have in the past, you know, just like when we talk about TP's deal, you know, when our, with our pull bars – you know, everybody wanted one of those pull bars, but you weren't going to find out what it was because that pull bar was important to completing the package of the car. Right. That's that's where we kept our edge. And if we give that away and sold it too much, well, that took money out of our pockets. And, you know, 
we're trying to win races and keep selling and you're you're never going to get me to tell you what those pull bars were that i sat there and built time and time and time again in that shop and you can you can swear to me you know and and that's just fine but that's as far as i'm going to talk about it right there and that's it and that's that's just how it's going to be forever i mean it's just kind of one of those things you know but that's where we're at with all of racing we're just too close and we're all racing close and it's uh you got to stay on the wave while you're on the wave because you, you may have a year next year where you struggle right and and it's not because you're doing anything different it's just because somebody else found something and it's just a little bit better than what you're doing and it's okay. it's going to be hard to overcome that because we can't push these rules very much further than what we're pushing them I think everything being said there, it's like do right, do what you think is right, and be honest, and whoever you're partnered with, that's that's who you need to be with. You don't, don't need to be yep. kind of jumping around. Let, uh-uh. let the people, let your actions, your loyalty speak for you as a whole, and then whenever you need something from someone or you get in a bind, right. they'll understand that you're going to be the type of person that's going to be loyal and return the favor and not jump ship and tell somebody anything that's else. right like you just gotta be loyal there's greener pastures every day but every day man it all comes full circle there's been times where each one of us here have had an opportunity that looks like it's it's the hot the, the hot chick next door but yep it yep. always moves that's, so it always <laughs> moves that's right coming around so yep. you just gotta stick stick to your people do your thing and it'll all shake out how it's supposed to in the end because that's right we're all going to be 80 one of these days and it's not going to matter anyways so that's exactly right but eric man thank you very much for for doing this this has been good yeah i had a good time and hopefully some people get some laughs and get get to know a little few things behind the scenes and it's always kind of fun to talk about those kind of things and you know as you get older and and you know people wonder about those kind of things and you know it's it's a uh, they'll never know the nitty gritty down to the to the brass nuts of things but it's a uh, it's a crazy world as you know and I know and Trevor knows and it's been fun and when it all comes down to it it's uh, it's a it's a big family it's just some of the family members don't get along but you know what at the end of the day we're all still at the racetrack and we got to keep going and we got to keep people going and keep people watching and we got to keep these people that that are helping us you know we don't we don't talk about them near enough the guys that help us out and you know you've got a good group of guys behind you and you know i've got a good group of guys behind me and and you know i've had i've raced for good guys and you know you know i've I wish I could, you know, I've lost a couple of guys, you know, Patrick was one of my best friends. I wish, I wish he was still here, you know, just got so many things that I could run by him and, and do, and, you know, just so many good people have come through my life and, and helped me. And it's, it's neat to see other people have that too. And, but we gotta, we gotta make sure and respect that and, and pay attention to it and, do be be real with them because all they want is to be a part of it just as you know and they don't come along very often yeah, and absolutely 
and it's great to have them and it's fun to see them in the pits having a good time. That's, I enjoy that. You know, it it means a lot because it's, that's what it takes. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Eric. We'll, uh, go ahead and get this one shut down for the evening, man. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you guys at the racetrack soon. See you, man. See you, Eric. Bye. Eric Turner, it's in the books. That was good. I think we pressed yeah, he, an hour and a half of that. Yeah, yeah, he got a, he's done a lot in his time. It was really interesting to hear everything he had to say. He took the rope on that one. We didn't have to say a whole lot. That was good. I like I like whenever someone gets on here and they were they're ready to rock and he was. He uh he's had he had a list, we had a list and we met in the middle. It was nice. Flowed very well and very well spoken. I don't think you'll get that much out of him in person sometimes. <laughs> But, no, for sure. Normally, Eric's the type of guy in person. He'll say what he's got to say, and then he's on to his next thing. Yeah. Well, that was a good one. I look forward to, to next week's already. Um, probably go ahead and say it. Ethan Dodson, is that right, Trevor? Yep, need to get need to get everything coordinated and finalized, but planning on getting Ethan on board. He's reached out to him a couple weeks ago, and he was pretty excited to, to get on here. People that don't know about Ethan Dodson, you should know. He's a stud, and him going racing with Longhorns kind of went on ahead and pushed him out into a, a bigger limelight. One Super Nationals, full-blown stud in the IMCA world, so we get him on here, that'd be good news because he's good. You should know who he is, but he's good. If uh, We're working on a couple other things in the meantime, too, but for now, I hope you guys enjoy the Eric Turner episode and slider. So got posted again. We got a little bit of momentum going on that. But that's our keyword here. We're still going to work on that. Comment slider underneath the the post and uh, tell us what you like and didn't like about each episode too. We're good with constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. Don't tell yeah, us. Yeah, don't don't just be an ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's any su- suggestion boxes or people that you might think that are going to be good, shoot us a private message or if there's anything right or wrong that you think needs to be worked on too. Uh, yeah, drop us a line. We are more than we know. We know where we stand on this. We know we need help sometimes. So we'll look, that's where you guys come into play. So, agreed. Cool. Well, thank you guys very much. See you later. <laughs>